Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Do. I am your host, Carl Duty, and with me, as always, is the man who never leaves the house without his shark repellent bat spray, Mr. Drew Celestino. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it feels, at least to me, like it's been forever since we've done this. It kind I know of has. I know to the listeners at home, it's it doesn't feel like we've skipped a beat. I mean, we've given them a lot the past couple of weeks. Our episodes have been pretty beefy, and this week's going to be no exception. Yeah, yeah. But it's been like we didn't record last Tuesday because scheduling changes, and we didn't record last Friday because we recorded the Friday before. So it's been almost two weeks since. Two weeks. Since we're two weeks. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. How you doing, sir? Good. Good. Long yeah. break, but uh, not really. I mean, you know. Yeah. It it felt like it. Felt but like it. Court's been in recess, but now it's safe to say court is back in session. Sure is, man. So let's start things off with our opening statement. Sir, how was your week's? Good. Um, good. I could probably pack in a lot of stuff here, but I'll just cut to the uh, the gist and the good stuff. And the, the good stuff being um, one thing that you're actually going to hear on this show, that being uh, the epic uh, Devil's uh, uh, Brew segment, yes. Kitchen Brew. Have we decided what was it? Well, I, I forgot. Devil's Devil's Brew and Kitchen and Kitchen Stew. Kitchen Brew and Kitchen Stew. Whatever. Either way. Either way. Big big bad segment for that this week um so we'll get to that uh momentarily and uh other than that dude pretty much um not you business business as usual but not business uh, whatever long cold dark had a show yeah how'd that go it was good it was 90 some degrees in the venue you wore shorts yeah i never you're, wear shorts you're making stage. a big deal out of it it is a big deal i don't wear shorts on stage well, but I, it's, I had to unfortunately it's shorts Never wear shorts on stage. It's Adam not, Malone didn't wear shorts. No, he did not. He 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 manned up. I should have as well. <laughs> now that the photos are coming back, I regret the shorts. But at the time, you could have run, after the show, you could have wrung me out into a pitcher. <laughs> it was that disgusting. I don't think anyone's going to fault you to shorts. Uh, Ninety degrees indoors. Yeah, yeah. I still. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a pro. I should yeah. be better than that. Anyway, shorts. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was good. Um. And that aside, the big event, I don't think I talked about it, because I'm pretty sure it was last week in our little intermission, um, Okada Omega 2. I could not make it happened. out. I was very bummed for that. Um, did did Kenny, did Kenny win as predicted? Kenny did not. No! But he did not lose either. Does he have the belt? So sixty minute draw, champion retains. Sixty minutes. That sucks. Incredible match. The first one was already like you know incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Saw that. This one. might be better. Wow. From a storytelling standpoint and the physical aspect of it, on just mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. Um. Yeah, wrestling. Wrestling treated us very good that weekend. Yeah, for those of you who may be new to the show this week, welcome. Uh, we don't shy away from our passions here on the show. Uh, the show is primarily about uh, 
Daredevil comics and television. Uh, but we definitely embrace all facets of geek culture. And two things Drew is very passionate about that will come out in this episode is wrestling and beer. That's correct, sir. Don't forget video games, which we're going to talk about as well. Oh, yeah, week. we got that. So, yeah, and E3 happened as well this week, which, yep. which we're we'll going to get into we'll get wholesale. Um, yep. So, yeah, but the uh, the big the big, uh, the big big things being the Kenny, Kenny Omega-Okada match, which was mind, mind-bending. And um, I got to meet Greg Cook, the co-founder of Stone Brewery, um, my favorite brewery for the last, like, 15 years. So yeah. uh, that was pretty awesome, and I got a nice 30-minute uh, interview with Greg that we are going to uh, put into this episode for our Kitchen Brew, Devil's Brew, whatever we're calling it this week, segment. Um, I believe we called it Kitchen Brew. We'll go with that. It's been a while since we did it's We've done, like, many ones here and there, but... An official well, I, I usually keep y'all in, uh, informed of my brew days and whatnot. Um, this is not a brew day uh, segment. This is a full-blown uh, interview with uh, one of the pioneers of the craft uh, brewing uh, industry, if you will, um, and a really cool guy who whose philosophies line up really well with mine, which is why they're my favorite brewery. So Nice. Uh, yeah, we had a great conversation, so you're going to hear that today. So, awesome. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting, and uh, it was great. He, uh, The founder of Stone bought me a beer. Well, what more can I say to that? That's, yeah, that's like that's like Stanley giving you a comic book. Kind of like that, yeah. Yeah. So how about you, man? How was the week? It's been a, it's been a pretty good week and a half. Um, going back to not this past Saturday, but Saturday before, we had the first ever Duty Dice Day. Ah, uh, yes. Where I said, I just sent out a bunch of invitations. I said, hey, folks, my place Saturday, all day long board gaming. Giddy up. And it was really good. The, we got started around 2 o'clock. And it wasn't like a flood of people coming in, but it was a steady influx of people coming in. And we had games going the whole day. We went from about 2 p.m. to to midnight. Nice. It was a really great, good time. I got to play a couple new games. Uh, I got to play Forbidden Desert, which was a lot of fun. And then got to play Elysium, which I really like. I might actually like it better than Seven Wonders. That's Um, a strong statement, man. It was really good. Um, Also... Uh, played Time Stories for the first time. We and we started Time Stories at game night. Yes, as well. I've come to learn that with Time Stories, that is all you do on a game night. That's like you a game. Kinda, that's, yeah, you need some you time. Kinda, yeah, that's minimum three hour game. Yeah, so, it's a big boy. Yeah, it's a big one. So uh, that was cool. And then from one Saturday to the next, uh, didn't really do a lot. Um, had a little couple X-Wing sessions in here and there. Yeah, your X-Wing sessions and, are picking up. Yes. And Julie tried X-Wing Uh-oh. for the first time. Is this going to be a family activity? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Two tackle boxes? <laughs> <laughs> More ships. All the ships. No, she wanted to try it out. She wanted to see like what, what drew me to and whatnot. And we played a very uh, bare-bones game. Bare-bone game. Um, like no obstacles or anything, no upgrades or anything, just three barebone X-Wings against three barebone TIE Interceptors and just taught her the basics, basics of the game. Um, she said she enjoyed it and was not opposed to trying out again. Who won? Uh, we stopped. Okay. All right, fair enough. It was getting late in the night. It can catch up on you. Yeah. All right. Um, so... There was that, and then this past Saturday, 
was an X-Wing tournament at Dave and Adams. It was the ah. first one that I had ever gone to. Like, when I first got into X-Wing, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm just kind of getting this so I can have something to play with my friends to bring it to our game nights to see if you guys want to play. And, you know, I've been playing a lot with my friend Adam. And more and more I got into it, and more and more I'm learning the game, getting into the meta. I was just like, I really want to try out a tournament. And there's a really awesome uh, Facebook group uh, Western New York X-Wing, and they're, they post, you know, weekly meetups and tournaments and things like that. And I've met uh, some quality people at uh, weekly X-Wing night at Collector's Inn on Delaware, and that's been a lot of fun. been learning a lot from them and had my first tournament Saturday, and it was really cool. It was a really fun experience. Um, I did not win. Okay. I did at win. At all? No, I won my first match. Okay. Won my first match, um, made a critical mistake in my second match, and then just got trounced in my third match. Ouch. Yeah. So in my second match, I was focusing on one target, and before finishing off that target, I shifted over to another one. Mm, so in other words, so, yeah. uh, you should have, uh, should have, stay on target. Stay on target. I should have. Yeah. I really should have. So the <laughs> tournament format is is different from when you're just doing casual play. Typically with casual play, you just kind of play to the last ship standing. Tournament uh, matches are timed. Oh. Uh, like uh, 75 minutes. Okay. And if there are ships remaining at the end of the 75 minutes, it goes by point structure. So each ship is worth the points that you build into it. Okay. And then you just deduct what you lost and what Getting you destroyed. And and yeah, okay. Stuff like that. So it was really cool. I, You know what? Not for nothing. Um, I enjoyed it. I may have enjoyed it a little bit more than fighting game tournaments. Wow. Because don't get me wrong. Like, I love fighting games. Fighting games are, are one of my first passions. I'm never going to stop going to fighting game tournaments. But the the hard truth is I am terrible at fighting games. And I rarely have ever make it past the first round of a fighting game tournament. With a fighting game tournament, you get there, you kind of wait while they're putting the brackets there and whatnot can take anywhere from like half an hour to an hour and a half and then you've got to wait for your name to be called and then you have a match which is like you know 15 minutes at the most and then depending on how the brackets shuffle out you could be playing again right away or you could be waiting like a half hour 45 minutes before you play again and i mean you get to socialize and whatnot and watch other matches going on it's really cool but like with the x-wing tournament i was there for four hours i was not playing for maybe a half an hour so you're yeah you're occupied yeah doing stuff yeah so and i feel like uh i just maybe maybe uh maybe x-wing also is just Maybe your your mind is getting a little more strategic and a little less reflex oriented. It's not so much that as the like to be seriously competitive in fighting games, you have to put in work. Mm. You have to train, legitimately train, like minimum couple hours a day. Like if you wanna hone your abilities to compete on a pro level, you that's uh, equ- equivalent to a full-time job you've yeah. got to put in minimum five hours a day i'm married and i have a kid i don't have that time anymore yeah i love it 
I love the fighting game community. I love the fighting game scene. Don't get me wrong, but with X-Wing, I can learn and develop my abilities in less amount of time. And there's less waiting around. I can, I can sit down and, and build a squad and kind of look at what works and whatnot and then just kind of go from there. And that doesn't require me taking away time from my wife or son. Okay. Um, so you can like learn and develop on YouTube and things like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the X-Men scene. Uh, that being said, I do have a fighting game tournament coming up this weekend. Mm. Um, I will be competing in street fighter and Tekken. Um, Lucas wants to go out. He always does in and out. Lucas, the, the, now he doesn't want to go out. The podcast mascot, Lucas. Um, so yeah, this weekend coming up, have a tournament. So that was last Saturday. Um, Sunday was Father's Day. Twas. Twas. And I'm just going to say right here now, Julie won Father's Day. <laughs> oh, yeah? Julie won Father's Day. I go now. She kind of won on Saturday because she knows that Father's Day is kind of it's bittersweet for me. Um, having lost my father uh, much earlier than I should have, um, but now having William as my son, it's it's a it's a mixed emotions day. So she gave me my presents on Saturday. Um, she got me the uh, the Imperial shuttle for mm. X Wing, uh, which is a support ship. It's it's not primarily an offensive ship. Although I do have a problem in the fact that it does not have a rear firing arc, and there are clearly guns on the back of it. That seems odd. Yeah. Okay. And then she got me my first um, huge ship. You have an X-Wing. You have regular size ships. You have large ships, which are like the Millennium Falcon and like you know the Imperial Shuttle, the Slave One. Those are large ships. Then she got me a huge ship. She got me the Imperial Raider. Which is akin to the the Rebel Corvette, the Tana Four. Okay. The ship that's being shot at in the opening yeah, yeah. beginning yep. Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> so now you need a Tana Four to, to offset for the yes. Rebels. I mean, you know, it's yeah, only fair. That's how it works. So yeah. So that was Father's Day. She totally won it and just made me feel really loved and appreciated. Uh, so yeah. All right. That was that. Uh, I think that was. It for my week. Yeah, that was it. So, cool. We're caught up. We are caught up on weeks. So, the opening statements are done. Now, it's time for some cross-examination. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so appreciative of you listening to us, giving our show a shot. If you would like to reach out to us, send us questions, make suggestions to the show. As you'll see now, we typically read those questions on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Devil's Due Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources and stream new episodes of our show from the Devil's Podcast.com. That being said, we've got some questions. All right. Uh, starting out questions by longtime listener, Mr. Tom Fenzel. Says, hey, guys, my wife and I found out we are having a daughter in September. Hey. Congratulations, Congratulations Tom. Congratulations, man. Way to go. 
other than what the wonder woman new 52 run and the new miss marvel book what comic should i look forward to sharing with my daughter wow i don't know good question uh you know what the uh the she hulk run not the current one the charles charles, charles soul, soul one. one yes sure absolutely before it yeah that was fantastic uh, I would agree. I would say almost maybe almost any She-Hulk, except for the one where she oddly sleeps with the Juggernaut, because that was a thing she, that happened. We love She-Hulk, yeah. but she hey, gets be, around a little bit. You'd be nice. Bit. I'm being nice. I'm just making an observation. <laughs> the list is long and distinguished. All right. Uh, yes. That, I, would, I, would, I would... Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good run. I like that She-Hulk run a lot. Um, avoid alias at all costs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's she, not until your daughter's much much older. Yes, we're not saying alias is bad. Alias oh, no. is good. It's a great good. read, not for kids. No, uh, I guess I guess he, I take it he means uh, books with strong female protagonists. And unfortunately, this is not my area of expertise. Um, so Miss Marvel, I would say definitely um, the She Hulk run, um, Wonder Woman, um, and. You know, short of that, I'm uh, coming up empty, but this is where female listeners might be able to chime in and help us out. Yeah, and that is, and I think we're coming up empty mainly because the the age concern. That as well. If she, you know, if she was like turning 16 and you wanted to get her and stuff, there's some more stuff we could, could recommend. Kids books, though, I'm not really sure if she likes. I mean, it's not necessarily girl centric, but I know Robert Kirkman had that kids book. Uh, the 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 was it called? Super Dinosaur, I think it was called. It was an yes. all ages kids yeah. book. Oh, holy crap! Um, Hero Bear and the Kid, okay, by Mike Kunkel. All right, is one of the most amazing comics I have read in the past five or six years. Um, it's fantastic artwork and the story encompasses everything that was awesome about being a kid okay so yes definitely hero bear and the kid two two uh strong female-led books that i could think of are um uh lazarus and um <laughs> and uh velvet but again Once again not, not, age appropriate. not age appropriate at all but they are really good so when she's maybe of age i would i would put those out there tom's next question is what are your favorite batman 66 memories we are going to get into this in the news okay uh carl how do you find time to do a game night almost each week uh tom really simple my wife is freaking amazing uh she's extremely generous with uh understanding that not only do we need to spend time together and grow our relationship continually as husband and wife but she understands that time apart is valuable too so she like she will do bike rides during the week and do different stuff during the week and um i am normally on friday nights she's she's all for me going to coming over here and playing games uh she's not huge into board games yet knock on wood <laughs> um but she is absolutely incredible in that she's she loves me and and lets me come out and play tolerates and it. i and i don't say that in a derogatory <laughs> way at all um drew yeah i saw you bottle some beers yes sir i should be bottling mine today awesome want to trade right. a couple yeah is a summer ale mine is the summer ale okay yeah okay. let's do it all right i didn't know you brewed i now i know this and knowing is half that's great brutal man. b-r-e-w-t-a-l i see what you did there i know i'm good 
All right, Tom, thank you very much for your questions. Next questions come from Mr. Manuel Marin, our friend from Staten Island, New York. Yeah, Manny. Just finished reading an article from The Ringer listing their top 50 good, bad movies. Okay. As I look to the Devil's Due for... Good, bad movies, okay. As I look to the Devil's Due for 95% of my geek-related news, I'm still waiting for you guys to join me in the Doctor Who Kool-Aid. Yeah, Yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Sorry. Sorry. Not that we... You know, dislike Doctor Who. You do is, you. We've got so much stuff on our geek plate as it is. Um, I was curious to hear from both of you what your top five good, bad movies are. Ooh. I can think of four right off the top of my head. You you better go first. <laughs> um, I'm not good at lists, as we, as we know. Machete. Okay. Machete Kills. Okay. Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> okay. Shoot him up, mm. and I just thought number five uh, would probably be ranked number one for my favorite good bad movie, Jaws: The Revenge. All right, All aka right. Jaws Four. I don't know that I really am prepared for uh, a good bad movie listing. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on a whole right now. Actually, uh, I guess maybe stuff I grew up with that was bad, like. But I, then, if I if I watched it now, I might realize it's bad and it wouldn't be my favorite anymore. Like like the Police Academy movies or something like that. <laughs> does that does that count? Sure, uh, those are bad, right? Those aren't they're not they're not good. Well, the first couple are funny. Okay, yeah. Um, I generally avoid bad movies if I can. Well, you know what he's talking. Oh, about. sure, like, sure. But the ones I like, my 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 big my big ex- exposure to bad movies is really just watching them through Mystery Science Theater. I I don't RoboCop I, three. Uh, oh, that's I wouldn't call it a favorite. <laughs> it's, it's a movie I've seen. <laughs> I guess that counts. Um, no. Nah, so generally, I I yeah, I I don't seek out bad movies the way I should. Um. I mean, oh, Hobo with a Shotgun is fantastic, but I think that's the kind of movie that's like, it was bad on purpose. Well, that's kind of like Machete. Yeah, okay, I guess that's fair. So, like, okay, Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, Black Dynamite, for, Black Dynamite's Black top of the Dynamite. list. Black Dynamite. Di- top of the list is Black Dynamite, because the movie's incredible. So, that, that's about all I got from the top of my head, but. All right, cool. Yeah. Manny, thank you very much for your questions. Now, we move on to the Michael Brody and Jake of The Devil's Due. Jay will get that. All right. Uh, it's <laughs> okay. Two characters from Jaws. Uh-huh. The Brody gave it away. Yeah. Uh, we have regular contributors. Uh, Tom and Manny are definitely uh, semi-regular. We appreciate them. But two guys we can count on every week are Mr. Jay Gelsomino and Mr. Alan Waiters. Like they could get questions. a spinoff, basically. They basically. probably could. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast show that they host where we send them questions. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's just it. Full circle. Inception. Okay, so starting out with Mr. Alan Waiters. Uh, his first question for us, and again, this is going to be something we handle in news. Carl Drew, what was your favorite thing you saw at E3 press conference? Oh, we're going to talk opinion? about that. We're going to get that in news. Carl, it seems like remastering is a thing now. Do you like remastered games? Do you think it will be like Hollywood reboots movie franchises? Um, I am not a fan of remastered games that have come out like and if the original game came out in the past decade i don't much see the need to go back and remaster it 
Um, I think you're just trying to milk the cow again. Like yeah. God of War remastered and whatnot. I mean, it looks perfectly fine in the initial release. Um, I'm all for, and I'm sure you can attest to this, sir, uh, going back and and putting a fresh coat of paint on like really old games. Like, perfect example, the Ultra Street Fighter 2. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got, I mean, I'm not opposed to these things. Um, but it's all I'm, in, it's all in the execution. It's all in the execution. And, like, I, I, and I have the, to be, I got to be careful because I, I do enjoy some and I don't enjoy others. And, you know, I have to be careful because as a musician and as a fan of movies, um, I got really strong thoughts on like remasters and, uh, uh, special editions if you will generally speaking i think if something is really popular uh, initially it's 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 for a reason and it resonated for a reason and trying to like if it's that good it will still resonate later on so leave well enough alone you know but in video games it seems to be a little different um, unfortunately, uh, video games seem to have a different kind of culture than film or music and, and video game culture seems to be a little more up for it because something that I just have never been able to really fully mm, get behind is the video game mentality of better graphics. It looks better now that it's, uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm all for, and Street Fighter HD Remix did this. Uh, the recent uh, HD version of Tech Mobile did this. Um, I'm all for remasters of classic games if you have the option to switch back to the original graphics. That's certainly nice to have, sure. I'm all sure. for that. Sure. Um, but like, if you go in and you're changing... Uh, like If you're changing the gameplay along with the appearance, then no, just kind of leave it alone. Okay. So, yeah, that's where I stand on that. Uh, Drew. Hey. Microsoft is ushering in the age of 4K gaming. <laughs> is Well, we'll, we'll, get, to gonna, that. we'll gonna, get to that news. They're going to try. <laughs> is 4K gaming the new trend, or will quality games like Mario and Metroid still be the staples for gaming? Um, we're going to get into this a little deeper when we get into E3, but my snap judgment, based on what I know, where things stand right now with televisions and what the consumers understand about televisions, 4K gaming is a niche thing, and it's going to yeah. stay that way. I mean, 4K televisions are getting cheaper, but there's not the night and day difference. That's, that's really the crux of between it. Between 4K and HD. Yeah, which we'll talk about more. And the thing there. is, like any other jump in resolution, it's not just the television you need. It's the need television. The it's the video game system. Yep. It's the wiring. It's the way you hook it up. It's not just. It's not as simple as just buying a new television. But television, the TVs are getting cheaper, which I'm always a fan of. Which shows that yes, 4K is the next yeah. resolution step. But again, I don't think it's going to be a huge rush to do it. Nope, not for a while. So eventually, eventually, yeah. Now, yeah. no. So. Alrighty, on to Mr. J. Gelsomino. I know you guys have been asking for suggestions on what to read comics-wise. 
Have we been asking for suggestions? On uh, we, we put it out there to ask yeah, people we did. what they're, what they're Yeah, reading. we did in a past episode. Um, I'm getting back into the game, <gasps> finally. <gasps> I just bagged and boarded some old books and forgot how much I d- dislike that process. When you let it build up, how much I dislike that pr- process when you let it build up. I know I'm about 75 events and 15 heel turns behind. <laughs> Uh, can you throw out some suggestions on what to pick up? Also, can you let me know if the following books are still good or still being printed? Wow, okay. From when I left off. Uh, Lazarus? Yes, still good. Thief of Thieves? Uh, you know what? I haven't has seen a new issue of that in a while, but as far as I know, it's still going. Jupiter Circle? Jup- uh, Jupiter Circle, Jupiter Legacy? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Velvet? Velvet is still going. Uh, I think it's on a little hiatus right now. It might have ended, actually. I'm not positive on that. i got to check my stack. But I think it uh, either ended or it's on hiatus. Nailbiter? Not my forte. I think, actually, it ended, though. But I could be wrong. Okay. Um, I, Jay, I would suggest not trying to backfill your catalog. Um, just grab the trades. Yes. Just and because, I mean, I if, would- if you're... If you're Getting back into it just to, to read it, not as like, quote unquote, a Collect collector. It. Yeah. Just get the trades. That'll be the cheaper, faster way for you to catch up on stuff um, that you've missed out. As far as what currently is good, I know you're gonna, going to get vastly different answers from Drew and myself. Um, but for myself, uh, DC, Superman, Green Arrow, Batman... Um, are fantastic. Uh, what else? As far as Marvel goes, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and Champions are your go-tos. Uh, Deadly Class is still good. I know you read that. Um, so yeah, those... Those are your picks? Those are my picks. I wouldn't recommend to you a single Marvel or DC book. Not one. Um, I, I hate not to, even I, Daredevil? I, not even Daredevil. For for him? No. No. I, okay, I, so you're going based on based his on personal taste. Yeah, I would say right. no. Not at the moment, no. Not not a chance. Um, but then again, it sounds to me like Jay needs some saga in his life. We all saga. need saga in our life. Saga is... <laughs> saga is life. Jesus, saga is life. Hits the feels in so many ways. It's so good. Um, I also like if we've, we've gone over these before. I like Paper yeah. Girls a lot. Reborn, like, uh, Reborn's it's okay. It's a Millar book where you know yeah. it's high concept enough to it's a movie pitch. Mm-hmm. All Millar books are movie pitches. It's all they are. Um, and if you can get behind that, then go for it. Um, Kill or Be Killed, the new uh, book by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, really good, really good actually. Um, that, with that team, you can never go wrong. Um, that's the. Stuff off the top of my head that I would absolutely recommend. And if and he was reading Lazarus, I would definitely say to keep reading Lazarus because yeah. it's, it's really good and it's just getting better. Things are building to a big crescendo coming up. So okay. cr- creator owned is still where it's at for me. Um, yep. That's that's what I got to say. All righty. Uh, Drew. Yeah. Now that King in Tekken 7 has been vastly improved by getting Okada'd. Yes. And then he has in parentheses, the Rainmaker is a lariat, Carl, not a clothesline. Amen, sir. That's fine. It's still a boring move. Not really. When you see Kenny sell it, it ain't. What video game characters would you give a wrestler makeover to, and what wrestler would they be? What video game characters would I turn in? Um, 
I have a radical new idea for Zangief. He's already he's, a wrestler. He's already a wrestler. I can't make... I, well, I mean, King is a wrestler, too, though. They just gave him Okada's gear. Yeah. So, you know, let's take Zangief, and let's make him uh, basically uh, like a Rusev clone. We can we can make him into Rusev. He's already, you know, Russian, Bulgarian, whatever. So, you know, Zangief will then have the um, the, the, the the submission move uh, where he, he... I don't know what it's called, but we're going to give Zangief a submission move. Okay. And we're going to call him Handsome Zangief. And he's going to throw a fish at you at some point. <laughs> you just have to trust me. And, right, no, and he's going to ride into the match on a tank. Okay. And it's going to be epic. All right. That's Anytime you can in- involve a tank. It's that, usually, right? It's usually going to get epic. Absolutely. There you go. Um, yeah. All right. I can't think of anything off the top of my head at the moment. Carl, you're stuck on an island. You're allowed five full runs of a comic storyline. You're also stuck with Swamp Thing and the Blob, and it's really hot, making the island smells like a Taco Bell dumpster fire in Santa Fe. What comics do you select to distract you from the smell? All right. Five comic runs. Okay. uh, Dark Knight Returns. Um, Return of the Sinister Six, the Eric Larson book. Do you consider the Crow a run? Yeah, yeah, I'll go with the Crow. Um, Dark Knight over year one, huh? Yeah. Okay. Dark Knight Returns is superior wow. to year one. Wow. I didn't say Dark Knight Strikes Again. <laughs> good, good, good call good call there um kingdom come okay definitely kingdom come uh, this is like a sophie's choice isn't it it really is it really is see i went with the return of sinister six because it just gives you kind of everything of but for Strictly for nostalgic reasons, I'll also say uh, Torment, hmm. the initial storyline from the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man book. Oh, all right. Um, we got jacked up by the lizard. Okay. Yep. There you go. There you go. You get. You made it. And the Frank Miller run of Daredevil. We're going to start putting out these requests to these for, for listener questions. Stop asking us to make lists. Yeah, kinda, <laughs> lists are hard. Kind of brings the show to a grinding halt. We don't pre-screen the questions. Well, I kind of do, but yeah. Somewhere out there, someone is screaming, if, maybe if, you should. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> it's only so many hours in a day, sir. That's fair. Um, if if you are going to do a list, keep it at like three. Yeah, three, is three, three I can maybe come, cobble together, maybe. All right, that wraps up for cross-examination. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. And remember, if you would like to have a question right on the show, just send it in to one of those social media outlets that was mentioned earlier, and we will mention again before the end of the show. That being said, Ah, Drew, it is time for us to dig into the news and the case files. Okay. Um, We have to start, unfortunately, uh, with, with the passing of i wouldn't really say a dark knight but a silver age knight he 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 called he was he was the bright knight yes he was was the bright knight around um 
last week was it last week? It was last week. Yeah, last week we we lost Adam West. Um, passed away at eighty eight years old. I mean, there's dude lived a full life. I guess it was sudden onset uh, pancreatic cancer. That'll and do it. That age when sudden and onset, there's, there's. I guess there wasn't much that could be done. It's unfortunate. Um, we're kind of living in a time now where our childhoods are going to start dying off. And granted, the 1966 Batman was not, in its original airing, was not part of our childhoods because neither one of us were born then. No. But no, no, no. his Batman was definitely part of our childhood in a lot of different ways. So kind of going back to, to one of our previous questions, uh, what was your favorite memory of batman 66 or just as from adam west in general because i don't want to limit him to just being batman um i'd hate to i would hate to limit him to just being batman but i mean he was batman you know yeah um my favorite memory i guess would be um just the i got you know as a kid i was exposed to batman through batman the movie so 1989 Michael Keaton you know? Jack Nicholson movie. so being really familiar with the movie then I saw the show and it was like wow this is not that this, this is different <laughs> so it was kind of jarring in a way um, but what I did like about the show was all the different villains like they really yeah. threw a lot on the screen like you got a, you got a wide array of, of, yep. of villains and um I like seeing Burgess Meredith in it because I liked Rocky and stuff. And, yeah. You know, he was Mickey. So I got to see Burgess Meredith as the penguin and do his thing. Um, Mr. Freeze, I always thought he was really cool on, on, on the Batman. Yeah, I on, see what you did there. What? What? Mr. Freeze is really cool. Oh, I didn't even realize. But I no, <laughs> I, he, he was, though. I freeze um, the ice age. He had, uh, like, in the one episode, he had, uh, he had like, the room. And he had to like push buttons to like yeah, temperature control segments of the room, and it was like yeah. red and blue. That was really cool. Yeah, you know, I like that stuff like that. Like really, you know, just struck me at, at that age. Um, and oh, and the crossover episodes of the Green Hornet. I like those a lot too because I like the Green yeah. Hornet a lot. Yeah, I always loved uh, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was great. And I liked how he had different costumes. So like the, the Riddler had he had the the leotard, he had the leotard, but the then one he had piece. the suit. Yep. I with always the thought that bowler was, with the question mark. I thought that was so cool yeah. that he had two different outfits. Yeah, I mean, I think as as a Batman fan, Batman's my second favorite character. Um, especially people in our age group, you kind of went through phases with the '66 Batman. Like when you discovered it, depending on if you discovered it before or after. Uh, ex- being exposed to Batman in comics or the 89 Batman movie. Because mm-hmm. at that point, like during our childhoods in comics, he had been restored to like, quote unquote, the Dark Knight. Right. Um, you kind of go through phases with the 66 Batman. If you if it's like the first thing you encounter, you love it because it's like Batman. Like I was first introduced to Batman through the Superpowers cartoon. Okay. Um, so, and then the 66 Batman was kind of a a natural transition from that. Sure. Um, but then like you see, like you said, the 89 Batman and, you know, you get introduced to books like Dark Knight Returns or just Batman and comics in general. And you see what the, the characters intended as, as Bill Finger created him. Um, 
And then you kind of like you have a gut reaction to 66 Batman. You're like, oh, this is stupid and whatnot. And then, you know, you get older, your tastes mature, and then you get to appreciate 66 for what it is. Right. And center to all that was Adam West. Absolutely. And he got the joke before anyone else did. He knew that they were making satire, that they were make, making comedic satire that wasn't meant to be a serious quote-unquote. And not for nothing, for the time that it was produced, it was an accurate representation of what the character was in the comics. At that time, yeah. 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 So, I mean, he he went through that unfortunate phase to like a lot of actors and, and genre movies or shows they go get typecast through. typecast. Typecast, and they kind of reach that, that low point. Um, then, you know, I, from everything I've read, the turning point for him was the episode of the animated series, Batman, the animated series, but where are the gray ghost people heard him in that and he slowly, but surely started getting work again after that. That's great. And then, you know, he became known to an entire new generation, not as Batman, but as Adam West, uh, yeah. mayor of Quahog, family guy, and just like a whole bunch of other things. And the man lived a full and amazing life and were lesser for not having him with us anymore. But what he left us is, is a, a gift that will span generations and never die. No, that's well said, man. All righty. Rest in peace, sir. We will miss you. All right. Before we get to E3. Last week, Friday night. Was it last week, Friday night? No. It was two weeks ago. See, this whole, like, us not recording, know, we're so we're all, thrown we're, off. We're totally off. Two weeks ago, during a uh, game of the NBA Finals, Marvel dropped the first Black Panther trailer on us. <laughs> we are the last people to react to it on the we internet. We are, really. <laughs> <laughs> but we will react to it. Yep. We recorded that night. We did. We recorded that night, too, and we're like, oh, maybe they'll get out before. No, no they didn't. It didn't. We wrapped up, and then it, then they, they premiered it late. It was the old frustrations we had when we started out the show, and we're recording on Friday nights before we moved yeah. to Tuesdays, and it was just like, come on! Yeah. So, trailer's out. What'd you think, Drew? Um, wow. Yeah. I think it looks incredible. Yeah. I think it looks absolutely incredible. It's really, I mean, from the visuals... Uh, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, has always operated in real world ish situations where yes, this is New York, but certain rules apply to this world that allow for more fantastical things to happen, and you accept the the rules of that. This is kind of moving beyond that, and that we're completely moving out of cities and whatnot. We're going to Wakanda, um, and I was wondering how they were going to represent Wakanda if they were going to do it kind of like a a more realistic city or were they going to go full comic book Wakanda with it and they are going full comic book Wakanda. It's full sci-fi wonderland but the cool thing about it is that it's it's a cool sci-fi wonderland in Africa yeah And, and it's so it's so it's got real uh cultural aspects of africa but combined with technology and 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 you know sci-fi tropes and whatever you know yeah and it looks magical and the the color palette oh my god so vibrant it's vibrant as hell i was like it's, it's staggering it looks so cool it just looks like nothing else i've seen from a movie trailer 
and I was really, really impressed with it. it I'm, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to Black Panther. It looks really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. All the characters look interesting. Uh, the music is on point. Uh, that really stuck out to me in the trailer. Um, and I think this is something that is going to be really different than what we're used to. Yeah, good. At least in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm all for that. And, I mean, based on the trailer, I, I like in the trailer as well, the only connection to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, really, that they showed was Andy Serkis playing Claw. Yeah. Because he was in Age of Ultron where he lost his arm. Which, yep. you know... But, um, you know, they they didn't feel the need to, like, not for nothing, Spider-Man, they didn't feel the need to throw Tony Stark in there or something to kind of remind you. They're just letting Black Panther speak for himself, and, man, it, it looked really cool. Just looked really cool. Alrighty. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the big news of the past week. And, again, we're, like, the last ones to comment on this, but who cares? This past weekend was E3. Past week, really? Yeah, past week. Um, the annual video game show that uh, companies come out and announce all their wares for the next year and sometimes beyond. Yeah, yeah. Um, this year is the second year, I believe, that was open to the public. Um, I want to say, yeah, but if I read that this was the first year they sold tickets. Yeah. And that's going to be the way it is going forward now. Yeah, and I I think they kind of had to do that because not for nothing. I think E three was really like trending down before they did that because it was. like you know, and we had discussed this before. The need for Ninten- it doesn't exist anymore. Not really. Like Nintendo does Nintendo Direct. Yeah. PlayStation does PlayStation Experience. Nintendo Directs are like what three four times a year, right? Give or take PlayStation Experience is like two times a year. I don't know what Microsoft does. Well, also consider um, that the trade show itself, the the E three, was born in an era when the internet was not what it was. Retailers uh, and distributors needed, and media didn't have instant access to know what people were going to buy in yeah. their store in their brick and mortar stores. You know, at all times. So these big conventions, they would go to these conventions, see what was hot. All the ex- all the exhibitors would be there. All the companies would be there. They would reveal their plans, show off the new wares. The me- the media would cover it, and uh, distributors and store owners basically would see the product and you know base their orders on what they saw. Yeah, that era is over, man. Like, yeah, video games now are like we know everyone everyone knows if it's going to be a hit or not before it comes out the internet's democratized everything we all have access to this stuff retailers know like you know there's the mystery is gone yeah no i agree with that e3 as a concept is kind of outdated now it's just turned into a big trailer show so nintendo being the first one to kind of like step back and be like we're not going to put millions of dollars into into a big glorified trailer presentation where we have to get on stage and do stuff We'll yeah. do our own little videos and put it out there, and that that's it. Like, there's no need for this. Sony's yeah. kind of doing the same thing, though. They're walking back. I think one thing I definitely noticed more this year than previous years, and something I want us to avoid in this discussion, is the tribal mentality. That's video can, games, man. Can we, it's never can, going can, away. Yeah, but I know that. It's but ingrained. Can, I get that. But right here now, can you and I just agree that we both like video games and that, you know, we ha- yes, we have our preferences, but sure. we can agree on, you know, that 
the other's preference offers something that maybe the other the vice versa does not somewhat we enjoy video games we like playing them because just like oh my god the concept of who won Oh, that's E3. never going. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's never it's, going. It's away. turned into like politics. It's like it's just like, dude, you like video games. It's okay. You can like multiple systems. <laughs> hey, it's man, okay. You're talking to a veteran of uh, of the console wars here, so I've uh, been there. Uh, that being said, let's crap on Microsoft. <laughs> Yeah, okay, sure. Let's I, get that out of the way. I think that's something we could both get behind. Um, I, I, Oh, man. All right, Microsoft. Well, we made our predictions last week on the yeah, show. Yeah, we made our predictions. And, if like, you, and not for nothing, also, spoiler alert, we were pretty dead on. We're, we're yeah. We're, we're, Everything we thought would yep, happen, happened. Yep. Microsoft rolled out, continued their streak of the worst named console on the market. Oh my god, what are they doing with this? The the it's the X. Xbox One X. <laughs> Just keep calling it Project Scorpio. That was a cool Dude, name. Let me tell you what. If I'm in the meeting and that and I'm like we're soliciting names. Give me your list of names. The guy who stands up and says, "Let's call it the Xbox One X." You're fired. Get out of this room. <laughs> Get out of here. How many more X's can they put? I don't know. Oh, my God. And not to mention X sounds a lot like S. If I were on the phone, call, hey, do you have the Xbox One X or S in stock? Yeah. That's going to be tricky to hear because yeah. those so, are the two models they have now. Yeah. The S and the X. Yep. And you better not. You better get that right. You better make sure the K is in there. Well, there's three models they have. The Xbox One that's, S. Okay. The other. Yeah. Yeah. Standard Xbox One. See, that's the thing. I think that's going to go bye bye. They're gonna, well, yeah, it's going eventually, but yeah, for right now, and then they have Xbox One X. So okay, so Microsoft unveiled predictably. We all knew it was going to happen. Their new update. I don't like. Technically, it's a new system, but it's just mm, yeah, yes, but no. I mean, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. Its technical specs are impressive. They are. They absolutely are. And yeah. if they want to be the ones to usher in 4K gaming, as they, as Alan alluded to earlier, uh, dude, that's going to come at a cost because I know what 4K video cards cost for PCs. You're talking about thousands of dollars. Yeah. So that's why let's I've talk about stuck that. Stuck to being a console video gamer. So I will say this then: the price of the Xbox One X for what it promises is probably f- I'm going to air quoting fair. Yeah. Here's the problem. Consoles as a concept, as a as a forget about what's in them. I don't that's that's secondary. Yeah. The set top box video game console if, to a mass market, I will tell you here and now there is a price break that will that you can't go above. And I'm not it could be argued if it's 299, if it's 399, I don't know, but it's in there. That's in it's in that little ballpark. Once you go to four hundred something, five hundred dollars. Yep. Guess what? Nope. Sorry. Especially. Nope. Not only that, I would be if this was a brand spanking new generation. And I'm sure some people will argue that it is. I disagree. It's you know generation point five. Yes. No. I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. If this was a brand new generation, for the hardware that's under the hood on that thing, a launch price of five hundred dollars. I would be like, okay, I'm not going to line up to buy one, but I can understand the pricing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
Show me some games. Well, they did. They but said, none Microsoft of them were, had a lot of games. They Microsoft, did. They showed off a lot of stuff. To their credit, corrected the major problem they've had the past two years. They just said games, 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 great. games. Great. That's great. And they showed some interesting stuff, but not enough, not nearly enough to give me to want to plop down 500 bucks for another system. And let's just, I mean, you, as we said earlier, the ultimate, what it really comes down to is if they're trying to make it in 4K gaming a thing, and dude, the, the numbers are out. That There's not that many people out there with 4K TVs yet. Yeah. Honestly, they're, they're the minority of televisions sold. People, and, and if you look into like polls of like, just this is, I mean, this is all anecdotal. Yeah. But I've seen online polls. Do you plan to buy a 4K TV in the next year? Most people, no. Do you own one currently? Most people, no. It's, yeah, because it, as 4K televisions are going down in price, really high quality HD televisions are also going lower. down in price. Yeah, and 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 not for nothing, dude. But the 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 jump in quality, like you said, it's not it's, it's not the, it's, it's noticeable. It's but not it's SD not nice to, and day. It's not SD to HD. Yeah, you know what I mean. Certainly isn't. It's it's just not that snap. Yeah difference that i can just see immediately and go oh yes no yeah. it's like no, if you have a trained eye like you or i have yeah you're gonna yeah. notice a difference but, but is it enough difference to make you plunk down not your, oh, is 500 it, bucks right are you opening yeah. up your wallet for it nope. no no i'm not um yeah but i but so I, but i'm gonna give microsoft some credit though they did trot out games they stayed on they a did. games focus and I, I you know i do appreciate that because they did need that pretty badly are any of the games interesting to me? No, not really. Yeah. But I'm not the best person to necessarily ask that question. Yeah. At um, this point, like, especially you, like, in this current console generation, you have two consoles. I do, and I'm okay with I that. I will eventually have two consoles. Sure. There is just not a need. Like, it's hard to come out of third place. Oh, and try to get back in the game. They're in trouble. You can argue Sony did it last generation, but only at the tail end of the generation. They didn't take over number one, but they, they dug clawed themselves up out to a little second bit. place. Yeah, they, they they were getting spanked for a while. Yeah. It, um. So yeah, Microsoft's press conference, and again, the presentation is just like Phil Spector. Just stop, stop talking. <laughs> stop, stop. Well. Yeah, Microsoft yeah. probably the probably the weakest showing. Let's let's get into Sony then, because I'm I'm not I'm not gonna. I have a PlayStation Four. I enjoy it. Yeah, as do I. But it's, I'll tell you, I wasn't too blown away with Sony either. I was disappointed. I don't know what they were. Every I'm, I'm pretty sure everything they showed this year they showed last year. Yeah, which means much. nothing they showed last year came out this pretty year. Much Sony always has. They always pull something out of the bag as a surprise at the either at the very beginning or at the very end of the show. Yeah, it's a very Nintendo like move. Like <laughs> two years ago, it was you know Final Fantasy VII remake. Which, <laughs> which we <laughs> where is that? I don't know. I have a, remind me. I have an interesting question for you. Okay, all right. When we get done with this, yes. But this year it was just. Like you said, everything that they announced last year was we got a little bit more of it. Yeah, little reminders. Yeah, and I mean, it's not to say that the stuff doesn't look good. I mean, you've got 
people who love God of War, and you know, I'm not necessarily I'm not one, one of them, of them but, but you know, they're they're excited about that, and that's fine. Um, you know, we have another zombie survival game, which looks slightly different, but it's the same aesthetic. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just Sony didn't roll out anything that got me supercharged and super excited. People had a lot of good things to say about that Spider-Man game. Let's talk about the Spider-Man game. Okay. Drew, what's my favorite comic book character? Spider-Man. Thank you. Spider-Man game looks great. Okay. Graphics are freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are saying that it looks like Arkham Knight, but with Spider-Man. Yeah, a little which, bit. That's, okay. That's not necessarily that's a bad fine. thing. fine. That's a good thing. Um. I, I mm, the costume. Yeah, the I, costume. I know. I I hear you one loud and clear. I hear oh, you. Oh man, the costume is so terrible. It really now, is. Now don't get me it wrong. Really Spider Man has gone through his fair share of temporary costumes, costume redesigns, things like that. Yeah, and there are costumes aside from the classic costumes that have worked, that have looked good. The black costume, the the Iron Spider costume. That he had for a season was a decent design. Uh, this thing with the the giant the, the white it's, it really spi- comes it down to the white like spider. It's because it's so big. Yeah. Now he's Insomniac, had a big black spider in the comics. Yeah. Insomniac has released a statement saying that the costume serves a purpose in the game. Yeah. You know what? Never. You can you can do that same purpose with a better design. That's a real Kojima esque answer. There's, oh, there's a reason why if, Quiet's naked. Yeah, thanks, Hideo. It wouldn't bother me as much if the spider was black. Yeah, it no. would still bother me. Because, don't get me wrong, because it wouldn't be as jarringly weird looking. Yeah, <laughs> the white now, spider is really it. Just it. Yeah, I, I feel you, man. It, n- it looks yeah. bad. Now, things I do like about it the the action seems to be really good. Yeah. The, I like people are complaining, you know, too many quick time events. I think they're just kind of showcasing them. We'll see. You saw, I thought it was a pretty good number of quick time events mixed in with standard combat. What I really like about it is that they are making a Spider-Man game for the way Spider-Man comics are now. They're using Mr. Negative. He's a fairly new villain. He's a new villain, a really cool villain. I like him. Uh, We get some classic stuff in there with Wilson Fisk. Um, although, am I the only one who, when they saw Wilson Fisk, went, that's cool. It's not D'Onofrio. <laughs> I love that we have this benchmark not, now for the Kingpin. It's not, not D'Onofrio. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that game. So that was like, that was the other stuff that I was excited about was done like the one trip. And we'll talk about this, um, and when we discuss what our top three games are from E3. Okay. Um, the one was premiered at the Microsoft uh, show, and then the other one was premiered in EA show. So, yeah, Sony was a disappointment. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't as... It just wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, hoping, I was hoping for more. That's kind of what I took away from this entire E3. I was well, hoping for more. Yeah, I I, I feel you. Um, if the, I guess I was looking for like you know, where's the new Red Dead? Can, can yeah, it's, it's nowhere, it's nowhere, nowhere, nowhere at all. 
Um, Bethesda, you know, they they had some. They're doing like Doom in VR, and that's kind of cool. But for people who have VR, but I don't have VR, so I don't <laughs> Can care. Can we talk about VR for a second? Yeah, I guess this year was supposed to be VR's coming out party. Yeah, no, this year was going to be no. the year that VR was going to establish itself as the new format to play video games. No, and it just didn't happen vr no, was a non-factor it's a niche thing dude it, it's got a ways to go it's like i've said for this format to be fully embraced the technology is not there yet no because for virtual reality if you want a completely encompassing experience it has to be more than just a headset and nobody no you know regular people can afford those giant you know units where you can run and use a gun and whatnot with the headset when I, you know, this is kind of the second VR craze that's happened. I think this one's going to die out in a year or so. And then, like, the next time it comes around, given where technology is, is probably going to be where it comes more viable. But right now, it's just, it, it, and it just seems like companies are giving up on it already. Sony didn't drop the price of their VR set because they're probably thinking, you know what? This thing isn't going to work out. Let's just keep it at 400 bucks and sell what we can. And Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm a VR skeptic. I've been and I will remain a VR skeptic. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I really have. I, so, I, yeah, I guess, I, where, where was Red Dead? Where was, you know, certain things? I yeah, don't know. There's a lot of stuff that just was. Where was Final Fantasy VII absent. Remake? You yeah. know, like, man, you trumpeted, you, you, you held that card for, for years. You finally played it, and now we're in the dark again. What? Square brought it in-house. Yeah. So I guess so they must have been worried about what they were. That's not a good sign. No. Yeah. But let's get to right. something I did like about E3. <laughs> let's get to Nintendo. Let's Folks, get to Nintendo. if you are new to the show, Drew <laughs> likes Nintendo. I love Nintendo. Drew likes Nintendo a lot. Yes. I I don't like the term fanboy. I think it's derogatory. So we'll simply call Drew a Nintendo zealot. I prefer Nintendo file, but <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, yes, I love Nintendo, and I was really looking forward to this this press conference or whatever the Nintendo Direct E three yes. for Nintendo. I wanted to see what the Switch is hot. The Switch is out. The Switch is hot. Yep. How are they going to maintain that fire? Because you already launched it with a title that is probably one of the best reviewed games of all time. It has a hundred. It has an over one hundred percent attach rate to the console with Zelda. Yeah. How does that happen? How do you have a, a higher than one hundred percent attach rate? Um, you have more games than you have systems, and people buy the game without buying the system. It's, but get on that oh. ball, Nintendo. Get those systems out there. Man, it's crazy. Anyway, they're working on that, and uh, that was reiterated at E three. But um, so yeah, what are you gonna do? What's next? Right. Yep. And uh, wow, what's next? Mm. Turns out a lot's next. Um, so Nintendo kind of focused their entire, uh, the, the, the featured direct on the switch, which I, which is good. Yeah. That's understandable. Um, so it started off innocently enough with a new Kirby game. Okay, cool. Kirby games are fun, but you new know, Kirby, new, new Kirby. Yoshi, new Yoshi, but, and, and it, that new Yoshi game at first was kind of like, yeah, okay. I watched the Treehouse presentation of it later. That game looks great, man. Well, yeah, I mean, super cool, super it, cute. Oh, the, the the charm and the, the the graphic approach on it is like that's new. That's exciting, uh, and I have a bigger point to make about Nintendo it, versus the other companies in a second. Okay, yeah, so it, it rings true to this day. I've said it before on the show. Nintendo for first party games make pound for pound the most pure fun games ever. So, but you know, it's trucking along. Okay, here comes Xeno, Xenoblade. Uh, Xenoblade. They Chronicles. open with that. 
That was with Xenoblade. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Um, could be great. Looks, you know, big, big, bad action RPG for the for this exclusive to the Switch. Okay. The first game was beloved on the Wii. Yeah. So, all right, cool. This looks great. But I got to be honest with you. All I wanted. All you wanted for so long. so long now was just like, so, um, yeah, it's it's great. Metroid? Hello. Hello. Dude. It's cold and there are wolves hunting me. And here's the thing. All right. So, up here I am begging. Yeah. Out in the wilderness. Metroid, help me. <laughs> they confirmed Metroid Prime 4. They threw you a little crumb. It's a crumb. But it's something. <laughs> it's it's confirmation. It's at least them. A Nintendo, glass of look, muddy water to a man in the desert damn right. is still a glass that's of water right. to a man that, in the desert. That's exactly right. Now, look. Did they show any <laughs> gameplay footage or renders or anything? No. no we, we got, got a title logo. card. But you know what? Again, that's them acknowledging, hey, we hear you. Here it is. We are telling you right now it is going to happen. All right. Good. And, and they buried the lead on that, by the way. And I know why they did it, because they focused the entire presentation on the Switch. Yeah. Immediately after their presentation ended and the Treehouse event began. Yep. And I turned off because, you know, I figured, well, yeah. that must that, well, we're at work, silly so. me. I'm at work. I got to get back to work. <laughs> There's another Metroid game coming out on the 3DS. Yep. It's in September. It's done. It's out. It's coming out in months. Oh, my God, dude. Metroid Samus Returns for 3DS. It's a remake of Metroid 2, the return of Samus from Game Boy. The, the Metroid formula has changed a lot since then. Yeah. That game didn't have a map. It didn't have the, the Metroidvania familiarity that we have now that's become a staple of the series yeah metroidvania is, is, a, is a term for a genre yeah. so they've remade it with that with those sensibilities in mind and it looks awesome so us metroid fans are going to be living large real soon and i'm really really beaming about that yeah i listen i mean we we got into it over chat and it's like i said i want to stay away from like the tribal mentality and whatnot and um there, there's the constant joke between you and I, whereas you hate DC and I hate Nintendo. Yes, that's of, correct. I think if you peel away the layers, neither one of those is actually true. Because um, I've owned all but one of Nintendo's home consoles. Which one didn't you own? I didn't own the original Wii. Oh, okay. Well, so I we... play video games to get away from physical activities, not to participate in them. I'm rolling my eyes, but okay. Um, hey, even Nintendo is moving away from motion control. That's uh, Well, arms begs to differ, but anyway... Um, when that Metroid four title card came up, I was so happy for you <laughs> because in, in the time, in the couple of years we've known each other, like, I, and I'm being serious. Like if there's one thing I know about you, aside from being a huge Nintendo fan, it's that you love Metroid. It's my, it's my game. And man. when that thing came up, I was so happy for you. I was so excited. And I saw like the messenger start to pop up. <laughs> I was like, awesome. That is great. That is so awesome. I was really excited for you. So question. Yeah. What will we see first? Go on. Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. Or Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. Metroid Prime 4. I'm I'm thinking that's probably true. My my guess is I was joking saying 2020. My my honest to God guess is holiday 2019. 
for Metroid Prime, Prime 4. 4. I, I hope you're right. I hope it's not going to be... The I hope I'm wrong that you get it earlier. Well, I'm going to be realistic about it, because I, I don't know who's working on it. I don't know what the yeah, plan is. all they showed was a title card. Uh, but, but, you know, it's I, I hope it's not the final game of the Switch's lifespan, like Zelda, like, like Breath uh, of the Wild was for the Wii U. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. it got delayed so many times yeah. that they just said, you know what? We got to focus it. We got to put it on Switch. It has yep. to launch the Switch now. But that worked out. Yeah. So, but but mm-hmm. still, I'd rather have it for the Switch, you know, when the Switch is hot. It's it's rare when you have a final product that's worth a wait like that, yeah. like Breath of the Wild was. So, I mean, I hope. I feel like Nintendo knows the importance of this, of this game. Yeah. Because the fan base is that rabid. It's going to be coming off of a long gap. And I think they realize, like, you know, the, the, the hype is there. And if we make something really great, which they always do, but if they, if they really knock it out of the park... They got another system seller on their hands, you know? Yeah. So Speaking of system up, sellers. Well, hold on a second. Okay. Up until this point in Nintendo's presentation, which was not very long. Nope, it was nope. just under a half an hour. Yeah, they kept it tight. Um, I was looking for something that would get me to <clears throat> buy a Switch. Okay. I do want to get a Switch because, as we've discussed before on the show, I'm excited about the what the Switch can be, not what it necessarily is right now. And for me, Zelda is not that because I've never been a huge Zelda player, though I have played one of them. Okay. Um, and Metroid is not... I don't have the fandom for Metroid that you have. So up until now, there was not something that would make me instantly go out and plop down 300 bucks for a switch if i could find one gamestop's got bundles right now yeah i just want the system i don't want to buy a bundle i don't want you i don't want you to force me into spending more money i have to gamestop ebay get it back anyway anyway um then they showed mario odyssey yes they did holy crap dude i like i feel like they already kind of showed mario odyssey last year like you know like announced it but Man, they were sleeping on the hook because yeah, they buried the lead last year. This whole this whole hat possession thing is it it, be, it it's a thing. It took it's, on a life of its own. The yes, internet had a the field day. Are procreating? Mario could be be a dinosaur. Mario can be a tank. Mario could be a frog. Mario can be a taxi cab. Mario yep. can possess a real human. What is happening? Mario has become a demon. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, wow. It, it looks freaking incredible. Man. It looks. And by all accounts, you want to hear the, the real like mind blower? Like for me anyway, when someone explained it to me this way, people that were playing it on site said this game will this game is for Mario. What, what Breath, Breath of the, of the Wild? Wild was for yeah. Zelda. That's awesome. That is insane to me. Not only did we get this incredible trailer that showed this game that looks absolutely fantastic, we got a street date for it. October. October. I figured holidays, it'll be out before the holidays. Man. Well, you know why? Because they want to get them bundles together. They better get them systems rolling, man. Because if 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 between Zelda and now Odyssey, Christmas is going to be hot. Have we ever had a launch year for a Nintendo system where you got both a Zelda and a Mario game. Oh, ooh. Um I would have to I would have to go back 
and and check dates. I want to say no, but it's possible. And I'm and I'm like wincing because I don't I'm not positive, but it's possible that Twilight Princess and Galaxy came out in the same year. But then again, maybe was that not. the launch year for the Wii? Yes, because uh, Twilight Princess launched the Wii, and uh, okay. and Galaxy came after. But I might be wrong on that. I think Galaxy might have been a year or so right. later. I'd have to I'd have to check. So my snap judgment says no. Especially given that the, 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 the Switch launched in the fall or the spring. Yeah. And Mario's coming out in the fall. So that's like a six month window where we're getting Mario and a Zelda title right up front. That's yeah. but here's what here's what's awesome about that though. That bodes really well for each game to get a sequel on the Switch as well. Yes, it does. Yep. I mean, fingers crossed. Yeah. But, but that could happen. And that's yeah. that's exciting. Okay, so we've gone through the big three. Let's wrap it up by talking about our top three games. Top three. From the press conference and our, our two biggest disappointments. Okay. Let's start with the two biggest disappointments. Uh, my my biggest disappointment, again, was Sony. And for as whole, reasons okay. we discussed, Sony as a whole just ultimately disappointing. Uh, my second disappointment, and there's an asterisk to this. My second disappointment was uh, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Yeah. Because of the visual presentation that was shown. And not only that, I downloaded the demo and played the demo. And it's not the demo's not doesn't look that much better. The roster, at least for me personally, is bland. Hmm. Um it's there aren't a lot of surprises that I was hoping for. And so far, um, I will uh, currently right now I will not be picking this up because of what was announced at E shortly before E three and debuted E three that I'll talk about in a moment. But here's the asterisk: everything that I've heard since E three is that everyone who went into Capcom's booth and played it said visually the game is much better than what was available for download. So that tells me that the download build was completed earlier and that the E3 build was a more advanced version. Now, granted, this comes out in September, so there's not a lot of time to polish. Not really. But Capcom does have a history of showing games early on that are not fully done visually, and then the final product is much better looking visually. So I'm still hopeful, but right now, nothing against nothing for Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is getting me really excited. Okay. So what are your two biggest disappointments? Um, I, I guess selfishly <laughs> no no gameplay at all for the uh for metroid prime 4 um as, as happy don't as get I, greedy i i, I know <laughs> I, so uh, let me i gotta i gotta kind of you know quantify yeah. that a little bit so maybe 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 not maybe, let's let's me put that back in my pocket don't look at gift horse in the mouth as, as it were <laughs> um yeah no i'll tell you what my biggest disappointments are what wasn't there no red dead yeah. Uh, no Final Fantasy VII remake. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm skeptical of the whole concept of that, anyway, I'm still I'm I am curious. I would like yeah. to see more. Didn't show it, so how would I know? Um, my biggest disappointment of E3, and I okay, um, is as a Nintendo guy. Hey, third parties, you wanna you wanna 
Yeah. Feel free to jump on board anytime. We're, yeah. we're, 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 this thing's printing money for us right now. Gamers really like it, and they want to play games on it. Games you could be making and selling to them. Yeah. Come, come on. Now, it's a, again, it's we've talked point. about this. Chicken, you and I have gone back and chicken forth. chicken or the egg, right? Course, like, like they, They're not going to invest if they don't think they can sell them. It's like, well, people don't want to. the units aren't out there for the people to buy the games for, I, being yeah. devil's advocate, games are freaking expensive to make. Plus, you have to employ a whole separate division to make the version for the Switch. It supports all for, the same engines as everything else. I mean, come on. Just... just Put a team on it. I, I, I don't know. No, to, I, to me, I I I want Nintendo to get their third party support. It's viable. Back. Like, do it. It's it's you, do it for no other reason than, than, than it makes your company look good to Nintendo fans who spend money. Sorry, but you you know if you when you when you burn us, we're we're gonna become skeptical. Yeah, and and I get that. I understand that. But again, devil's advocate, that doesn't translate on a earnings spreadsheet. It's you no, know, it does. It's it's you know, it's it's money left on the table. That's what it is. It's money left on the table. Yeah, but then and you get into uh, is the money we're leaving on the table more or less than the money we would spend to make it, like produce it, market it, get it out there for the limited number of systems that are out there. <sighs> There's going to be more of those systems out there, and soon. Keyword and- going to be. Then get on board now. I agree with you. I'm Strike just, when the iron's I'm hot. Timing is everything. I'm presenting the other side of the conversation. Lazy right. developers, <laughs> lazy publishers. Okay. That's my biggest gripe. All right. So now to my top three games. Top three games. Number three, Mario. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mario will the top me, three. All right. Mario will get me to buy a Switch. Number two, and I'm really excited I got to put this in my top three, is a rare instance of a major video game company listening to the critiques of what they did previously and correcting all of them. Okay. Star Wars Battlefront 2. Holy crap, this game looks incredible. Now, I enjoyed the first Battlefront, but I will be the first one to say, for as much as I enjoyed it, all the gripes against it were legitimate. There was no first player mode, the DLC was outrageously overpriced, and too few and far between. But that aside, the original Star Wars Battlefront, to me, was still the definitive Star Wars experience on a video game. Battlefront 2, single-player story mode. All the DLC is free, with the exception of cosmetics. Cosmetic stuff you got to pay for. Fair enough. So, two biggest gripes, corrected. The game is freaking gorgeous i didn't think it could look better than it did in the last battlefront and it already looks better than the last battlefront and here's the biggest thing what they showed is pre-alpha that's impressive it's gonna get better that's pretty crazy because it looks pretty good at first i was like why are you showing like you want to make a big splash with this game and all the gameplay they're showing is from theed uh, from Planet Naboo, from episode yeah, one. I wanted that. Yeah, and I was like, I, I, I watched was that like, trailer, and I was, that? I got mad at you. You told me to watch that. But then, when you think <laughs> about <laughs> it, all the flaws of episode one aside, yeah, feed is very beautiful looking. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it looks so fine. It, Just do without all the, thinking, all the stupid robots. I'm thinking one of two things. Uh huh. One, they did it because it's a visual showcase for the game, more than showing just like a desert or just snow. Okay, yeah, sure. Two, 
the game comes out in November, so leading up, we're going to get a trailer highlighting each movie. Okay. So the next thing they show might be from Attack of the Clones. Why? Revenge of the Sith. Well, <laughs> Geonosis. Whatever. That's yeah, a huge yeah. freaking battle. It was it a lot of fun is. to play in, in Battlefront 2. But I am you know super me, stoked about Battlefront 2. You said you hadn't watched any stuff, but then I asked you for I, this I episode yes, to watch yes, the trailer. Did. What did you think of it? Uh, I, I, I second everything you said. Uh, visually, it looks really spectacular. Um I could do without Naboo and the robots and all that, but but I can't deny like it, it when you when you call it a, a definitive Star Wars experience, like yeah, that's pretty much it. That's yeah. it looks legit. It looks totally legit. Like this is Star Wars, yeah, in every possible way. Um, and I saw you can you can play as Ray now and stuff. And, yeah, and she's got some really cool that's, force powers. That's cool. I saw um, they were showing some gameplay. Two of Ray's force powers I think are really neat. She has a Jedi mind trick. And I guess for if you're in range, when she does a Jedi mind trick, your controls reverse. That's funny. That's, that's cool. I like and that. And then she has like force vision where she can see enemies through walls. Oh, okay. I was like, all right, that's really cool. kind of neat. I saw in one gameplay, Darth Maul threw his lightsaber at a, at a Naboo fighter and took it out of the air. That's pretty wild. I was like, <laughs> wow. Awesome. Cool. So yeah. And your top game. My top game. Holy crap. Folks, I love fighting games. I've talked about how I love fighting games. This game was announced shortly before E3, and having heard it, you're like, okay, that sounds interesting. Then they dropped the trailer. Holy crap. I just... Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah, I don't care about this game, but... but, but you didn't you're you weren't amped, a fan of dragon ball I'm, I'm really not you're not a huge fighting game fan so you, that's you're fine. amp though oh my god this thing looks insane you know what i will say and again it's only 20 percent done that's crazy I, I will say this man compared to marvel versus capcom it, that uh like remember i told you like the graphic style for marvel versus capcom is getting it's taking a lot of heat rightfully so it looks kind of eh, and ugly kind of like eh. yeah that's fair. And it looks like very flat. It does nothing really pops. Yeah. I will give Dragon Ball Z this much credit. That game pops. It's colorful as hell. It's it, it's energetic and colorful and, yeah. and, and wild looking. Okay. It's a three, three versus three team fighter. It has all the uh, elements that you know Marvel versus Capcom 3 and the previous Marvel games have had amplified. Um, Arc Systems does incredible work with fighting games with their Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue series. And like when we first saw, when they first released a couple screenshots, we just thought they were cinematics. We didn't think it was in gameplay. Oh, it's in gameplay, <laughs> sir. It's cinematic and in gameplay. So it, the game looks amazing. Um, no release, solid release date announced as of yet, just early 2018. I just shut up and take my money. Okay. Just shut up. Because I watched Dragon Ball Z. I like Dragon Ball Z. I watched Dragon Ball Z when I had to go to like Suncoast Music and plop down 35 bucks for a VHS tape with three episodes on it. You know what happens in three episodes of Dragon Ball Z, Drew? Not a lot. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happens Why in three so episodes of Dragon then? Ball Z. Because when stuff does happen... Uh huh. It's really freaking cool. All right. So yeah. Eddie. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Those are my top three. <laughs> All right. Where um, are your top? My top three. It's only twenty percent done. It's gonna look so much better. All right, man. Deep breaths. Um, uh, my top three. <laughs> uh, number three. 
We're gonna go. We're gonna go. Yeah, yeah. ascending. Number three, uh, the new Wolfenstein. Okay, because yeah. the new order was really good. Um, new order was really good, like better than I thought it would be. But no, so the new order was great. This is the sequel. Uh, okay, okay, sure. Let's go. Let's do this. I, I'm, I'm as a big Doom guy. I'm really loving this whole like little mini renaissance we're having from like shooter franchise, like, like the founding yep. fathers of the whole genre coming yep. back in a big bad way. Because not for nothing, but I think they're more fun than Call of Duty's kind of presentation, which is more like cinematic, and you don't have you don't have big arenas. You have kind yeah. of like tunneled, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, Wolfenstein and Doom, it's like running gun, big open areas, and mazes, and labyrinths, mm-hmm. and keys, and in health packs. Yes, <laughs> let's go. Uh, number two, uh, okay, one and two are, are going to be tough for me. This is hard. This is very difficult. So where do you put Mario and where do you put Metroid? That is the question, is it not? <laughs> uh, where, where do you put a game that you're getting in October that you've seen gameplay no, for? No, well, there's, no, hang on, hang on. Against no, no. arguably your all-time favorite franchise on Nintendo that you saw absolutely nothing no, for. No, no, sir, sir, sir. The title card is not in, in the discussion here. Oh, yeah. the Game Boy one. Game, uh, the 3DS, yeah. Um, I'm going to put, I'll tell you what, Metroid will go number two. Metroid Samus Returns for, th- for uh, 3DS. Yeah. If you're um, going to put that above Mario, I was going to, I was going to have to. Metroid means a lot to me, something. dude. So, I know, you know it does, but. Uh, but no, it looks really, 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 really cool. They, they're giving, they're giving Samus uh, lots of new power-ups. Um, she has a blocking mechanic now, like a parry move. Where you can, yeah, saw that. Enemies that looks can, cool. That looks pretty neat. Um, and if and even though I'm a little concerned that uh, Sakamoto-san is uh, still in charge of Metroid, he is the co-creator, so I guess we have to give that to him. But he's also the one who kind of really butchered Samus's character in Other M, the last Metroid game that came out okay. that everyone hated. He's still involved, but from interviews, it sounds like he learned his lesson. And fans kind of said, "See Other M, no, we don't want this." <laughs> And I think he bad Sakamoto. Yes, bad. Yes, I I think he. I don't know if he's ready to admit that he's wrong, but I think he heard those complaints and is moving. And yeah, so yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Samus Returns looks super dope, and it comes out in September. And I'm like, yep, give it to me now. <laughs> um, number one is Mario Odyssey. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god, this game looks totally bonkers in the best way possible. And I cannot wait to play it. And if it's everything it's cracked up to be, like, wow. Wow. Just what? saying, Mario and a poncho and sombrero wins all the things. Right? Right? <laughs> and his America costume? And Princess Peach and her bridal gown with the piranha plant bouquet? Did you see that? Does that mean they're going to get married? I don't know. Bowser in a tuxedo. Yep. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. Take my oh, money. Take all my money. Um, Just take it all. I know you have the Amiibos pre-ordered. Yeah. The Metroid I, ones. See, I learned something interesting about the actual Metroid It's one. squishy. It's squishy. Yeah. It squishes. I know. I know. So, yeah. I don't. I really don't go out of my way to buy these Amiibos, but when I saw the, that, that, that Metroid yeah. new ones. It's like, like Metroid <laughs> stuff is so few and far between. You kind of grab. Can I, can I pause can. for a moment? Sure. Thank, thank you for saying that, right? What? Few and far between. What? what? Uh-oh. Nothing. Ch- hmm. This is an aside, folks. I, I, we do this from time to time. Nothing grinds my gears more when people pull out far and few between. No, it's few and far between. I know this. You're right. Okay. But some people out there, All right. they, they, they want to 
you know, sound smart, but they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right, folks. That closes a very lengthy case files. Can you tell we like video games on this show, by the way? Yeah. We we like... Listen, the range of scope of stuff that we are passionate about, the Super Scope 6 range (laughs) of stuff we are passionate about is is far-reaching. And we don't shudder away from any of that on the show. Yes, this is a Daredevil show, and we're about to get to uh, the uh, Hell's Kitchen Protector in a moment. Uh, But as you have learned, and we'll continue to learn throughout this episode, if if this is your first time joining us, we like all things from uh, from X-Wings on the big screen. It's a little plastic X-Wings we fly around and shoot at our people to X-Wings that we control in a video game controller to just all the stuffs all the stuffs so, that being said drew it's time for some daredevil it is, it is time for some daredevil let us rustle our papers of notes that we take when we watch an episode of the daredevil netflix show break it down share our opinions um this week is not it's not not a lot going really it's a setup episode title episode this week 38 caliber. 38 caliber. This was a very um, move things forward kind of episode. This was, I've noticed that Marvel does this with their series episode here, 10 or 11. This is like the setup and then everything from here on out is just going to be kind of like the end run. Okay. So this is like the, um, you're on the roller coaster. This is the this last, is, the yeah, last incline is, before the final drop yep, in in, in, in exactly. loopy loop. Okay, you can you can look down and you see where the ride's about to go, and you're just about to go over. Okay, yeah, um, a lot of action in this episode, which is maybe why there's not a whole lot to say about it. Yeah, um, yeah, we get so we get Matt fighting the ninjas, ninja fight, ninja fight. I love the a good ninja fight. Uh, so we get Matt fighting ninjas. We get Frank fighting fighting bad guys we've got matt fighting bad guys as well we got matt fighting frank we got matt fighting frank we got uh does Electra fight anybody well not directly and but she, she shows she up. shows up though she's stabby stabby lots of uh lots of action in yes this, in this episode yep um so yeah we open up with the with where we left off with the ninjas invading the hospital to reclaim the people that matt saved from uh the the farm or whatever it was yeah. right question yes these ninjas yep they're already like you know invading a hospital. Yep, they're killing people. They mm-hmm. they kill that one nurse like a ninja does. Um, do they really care about cutting open the window to uh, to reach in to unlock it? Just kick it in. Ninja implies stealth. Okay. At at, I, at a point in the mission, there is a point where you kind of have to put stealth aside. I, okay. But up until that point, they were yeah. All right. The alarm was already going off. Ninjas operating shadow. I hear you. I hear you. I know. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So, all, this, all this elaborate uh, uh, infiltration, and they're just like, we can't let anyone know. It's like, you're, you're climbing up outside the window. Like, I could look out the window and see you. You know what it probably is? You know what it probably was with that ninja specifically? It was it was the uh, the Boondock Saint syndrome. When, when are you going to need the rope? He's like, <laughs> when am I going to get a chance to cut open a circle in a window again and open it up? That's totally fair. Yeah. That's a totally fair point. So when the ninjas invade the hospital, we have what you could argue is probably the most comic booky scene in the season. 
is when Claire gets thrown out of a window and Matt. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was thinking, I'm watching the scene. I'm like, you know what? As a Daredevil fan, as a guy who loves comic books, that seems friggin' awesome. Mm-hmm. As a someone who who understands realism and science, no, yeah, there's no way he catches up to her. No, it doesn't. Science doesn't. Gravity does not work that way. No. But uh, but it's still friggin' it awesome. It looked awesome. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I gotta say, when Matt's fighting these ninjas and stuff, um, the action just looks so great. It really and does. And the costume looks great. When he, it just, yep. It just scenes like that, man, really like make me feel like this is the, this is the show. Yeah. This is the show. You never even this is the comic book show. Even when superhero films were ramping up, yeah, like mid two thousands forward. Okay, there are certain things you thought. Okay, we'll get, and that'll be cool. And there's certain things like you're never gonna get. You never thought you would get Daredevil fighting hand ninjas. No, oh god, no, not and a chance. Now, now we have just just oodles of it. Oh my god, it, and and it's cool. It's like, it's, this, it's awesome. This is happening. Yeah. So yeah, as a Daredevil fan, man, it just see, visuals like that are just like, oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Moon pie. <laughs> What a time to be alive. Um, so, Karen. Uh, Karen's at the police station with Mahoney. Yeah, because in the last episode. The, the, not the, Carrie Mahoney. Brett Mahoney. Not Carrie Mahoney. Oh, no. man. Can we get Gutenberg at one of these Marvel shows? <laughs> we probably could. Who would he be? You know what? Who would you cast Steve Gutenberg as? You know what? Go on. You know what? Yeah, I'm waiting. Don't put him in Marvel stuff. No? Put him in DC stuff. Oh. A snapper car. (laughs) Okay. Sure. I win all the things. All right. Make this happen. Yep. All right. So Karen's in the police station with Mahoney. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can't. Just just pictured him there. Anyway, um, yeah, because Frank uh, saved her after yeah. her place got shot up by Imposter Frank. Now, I think sh- this is kind of the episode that brings Karen to her limit. It does. You can see she's kind of, I don't want to say break, but she's kind of ready to just like throw her hands off and walk away from everything in this episode. Maybe. Because we sh- have the encounter with her and Matt when she leaves the police station. Yeah, like she's not there for Foggy when he gets discharged from the hospital. No, she's you know. Well, she's, she's lying not. to the police. She's going around with Frank. True, and I think that in the scene in the diner, she finally understands how, how the in real she Frank is? Castle. Yeah, no, she gets to witness and understand the truth of Frank Castle. Yeah, basically. And that kind of rocks her to her core, I think, because not only she witnessed this horrific act, yeah, but she's also going to question her convictions that well, she's talked about with Matt in earlier episodes, like kind of believing in what the Punisher does. Now that she sees it, different story. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up then, because if if she's having second thoughts after witnessing it firsthand. What's Matt's excuse later in this episode? Yeah, we get to a point where Matt is willing to compromise. Not 
He's not about to go killing people, but he says he's like, he says just to this Frank, once. You might be right. Yeah, and even Frank doesn't want him to compromise. Right. Frank is fully self-aware of who he's fully self-aware of who he is, but also fully self-aware of a moral code that others should adhere to if possible. Apparently, yes. So you know, we and, and compromise is the first step on the road to destruction. Yeah. No matter what it is, in any situation, when you have a principle or or a moral that you adhere to and you compromise that, that's the first Slippery step slope. to your own ruin. Well, he does make the sign of the cross before he says that to Frank, by the way, because he, yeah, well, he, he, he knows that Catholic guilt. That Catholic guilt. He knows he's uh he's he's saying the wrong yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, I don't know. I, I that was kind of shocking to me that Matt would that Matt would say that. Yeah, Especially- and I don't I don't think that it's the breaking point that we kind of find Karen at at the end of this episode. I think that it's he feels like he's running out of options. At sure. This point. I mean, his life is kind of crumbling around him right now. Yeah, with Electra being you know on the you know th- that whole situation blows up. Uh, Karen dumping him essentially. Yeah. Foggy dumping him as well. Lucas. Lucas barking at me. I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, I mean he's kind of throwing his hands up, and he doesn't really know what to do. But um, we don't get a, we don't get a lot of foggy action in this episode. No, we don't. We Marcy shows up we to pay some, a we, visit. We get some Marcy time, which is always welcome. Um, but not a lot of foggy action. He's uh, he basically his, his episode consists of getting discharged from the hospital and talking to Claire. And yeah, that's really it. Claire, this is a pivotal episode for Claire. This is kind of a yeah. This is a, because this is when she kind of, and it's not by her own choice necessarily, but this is where she steps out of her old life into the life we see her leading in Luke Cage. Yeah, this is when like Night Nurse is kind of really born. She. After watching someone get killed in the hospital, and then the hospital... I like how they have the typical, you know, bean counter evil corporate guy. Yeah, corporate shill. Whatever. And he's like, you know, we're, we're covering this up, and the, the board, and, you know, all, the, all that all that fun stuff. Yeah. She quits her job. She does. She walks out. She's like, no, I'm not going to stand by for this. Yep. And so, I like for the character that it's a decision that she makes for herself. Yeah, no, Claire's not. She has it's a not code, like man. something that you know she got fired and now she blames Matt. No, which you couldn't necessarily fault her for if that happened. But it shows. I think it's a good choice in the story that shows the strength of the character. She, as she says in the episode, she took a, an, an oath to save lives, and yeah. she's going to do it. And if the hospital wants to be bureaucratic and crappy about it, then see ya, you know? Yeah. And this is really, it's, we've kind of tiptoed around it in previous episodes, the mystical aspect of the hand. Yeah. This is the episode that just kind of shoves it right in our face. Yeah. Now, in the comics, Mm -hmm. the ninjas of the hand, correct me if I'm wrong, are uh, vanquished opponents of the hand that have been resurrected brainwashed to serve the hand yes essentially yes and when you cut them you, when you cut them open and slice and dice them they're they like, like turn into powder. green green powder smoke yeah. not so much in the show 
Yeah. But I guess there was only so much we could suspend our discipline. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, and, and I'm fine with that. That's I'm fine. fine no, that, yeah. it's fine. Um, but when they uh, the, the doctors are going to do an autopsy on one of them, uh, they find that one's already been done. He's, he's been on this roller coaster before. Uh-huh. He's got the scars, man. And so, the, uh, the penny-pushing bureaucrat who has no medical training at all is just like, nope. No, that's not autopsy. You, no. Yeah. Cover him up. So there's a, there's a whole cover-up thing happening in the hospital, and Claire's like, I'm out, and, you know, see ya, basically. Night nurse is kind of born here. Yeah, and the only thing that kind of bothered me about this scene is not so much the reluctance to believe that he had an autopsy before, but the, the fervent, like, just absolute, there's no possible chance that could be the explanation. You people live in the world where the sky opened up, aliens poured out. You have a Norse god walking among you, yeah. a man who turns into a giant rampaging monster, yeah, yeah. a man who has advanced technology that created a battle suit, and another man who's been alive since 1928 and I, is still in his 30s. Look, look, I hear you, man, but got to keep in mind that this show kind of tiptoes around that. I get that, but <laughs> I think... I understand. Though. This is one of the times where they can kind of show the changing reality of that world that they kind of missed out on. Yeah, I feel like that's the kind of thing like Shield, Agents of Shield. Even though I don't really watch it, that would it would have embraced. Gotta watch it. It's good. Yeah, I, yeah. No, you're not gonna, but it's good. Times times a factor, Lois. Um, yeah, yeah. So Matt uh, hits the streets. Yep, he embraces the ADA, the Assistant District Attorney, who's hightailing it. As quickly as he can well, you out know, of town. Yeah, he knows he's a target. He wants he's, yep. he's out of town. But Matt gets to him first. He steers him to Midtown. Well, no, Chinatown. Chinatown. Correction, Chinatown. Yeah. And we have a nice little heart-to-heart with Madame Gao. Yes. Love the character of Madame Gao. Even in Iron Fist. She's, she's, she's calm and cool she's and in, in control. Cool character. Yeah. The best villains always are. Yeah. And it turns out that... Uh, her and Matt have a common enemy in this yes. instance, and that being this guy, the blacksmith, the guy who's responsible for Frank's family's death. Yeah. And he's pushing heroin and super pure, you know, of course, of course it would be. And she tells Matt where to find him. That's the thing that kind of bothered me about this episode is how quickly Matt switches from focusing on the hand to fully focusing on the blacksmith. Okay. Because leading up to this episode, it was all about the hand. He understands this war is coming, that he's going to have to fight evidently alone. Yeah. Because we see Electra is unwilling to change in her ways. Sure. But in this episode, it just seems he switches instantly. Well, yeah, especially since we open with a hand attacking the hospital. You think, yeah. you think he might be full tilt like, gee, I guess I better go find Stick and maybe tell him he was kind of right. Or maybe yeah. ask him some questions. But Matt's stupid and stubborn, so I could see him maybe blocking that out and I, I can see the pivot, especially when you get into, into Karen, because, yeah. you know, Matt's got the soft spot for Karen. So when she tells him what's going on with Frank, uh, it's not it's not totally out of character for him to do what he did and go after the blacksmith. Yeah. Um, let's see. Just looking at my notes here. Can we talk about Frank, uh, you know, being all calm and cool in the diner? Frank's... Frank's love line. Love advice from Frank. You know what? For as much as Frank understands pain and suffering and loss, he also understands love. He does. Yeah. Because you know what? The way he describes it, 
And I've said before how, you know, thank God I can't apply this to my wife. I've, I've buried my father and I've buried one of my best friends. I, I shudder to think what I would sacrifice to be able to experience again the worst day I ever had with my father. The most knocked down, drag out argument we ever had. We didn't have a lot of them, but we did have a couple of them. I would give anything to be able to experience that again. Just to be able to see his face and hear his voice again. And that's what Frank's describing here. Sure. And it just sums up so perfectly that husband-wife relationship. And he, he and he lays all that on Karen. Yeah. The only thing I think was a little odd about it is that the way he gets there is by asking if Karen to matter, like to you know. Yeah. I feel like Frank wouldn't care, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a valid point. Um, but like, I think because he dumps he he does that big monologue about about wanting that one last yeah. chance. But it's like I think someone in the writing team wanted to tell that story, but didn't really know how they would get a chance to get there. So he they had Frank like comment on Karen's relationship with Matt, where in reality I think like Frank doesn't. He's, he's, he doesn't I I think care though at the same time, whether it's in the comics or in you know in this show, Frank doesn't want anyone to feel like he feels. No, and if he's if there's an opportunity to. Do some good without pulling a trigger. He's not going to do it all the time. But I, I think that there will be those rare instances where he takes advantage of it and gives Karen some insight that she might not have had previously. But Whereas he, I agree with you, and I don't think that like ultimately off the cuff he would necessarily do it, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of his character. Okay. Um, but the thing is, like, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this advice. And uh, I want you to trust me and believe me. Now, if you don't mind, I've used you as bait for these guys. Well, yeah, because he's still Frank. Yeah, he's so, still Frank. So everything I just told you, I want you to really—I really want you to consider, take it to heart. Take it to go heart. Go into the back. Now go hide because I'm going to kill some people. Is that? Yeah. Are we cool? Okay, cool. It, it, the man is not of sound mind. We've established <laughs> this, sir. Yeah. So he has her go hide in the kitchen, and these dudes come in, and oh boy, if Frank does not dispatch with them with brutal efficiency. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, pretty, pretty savage. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, Karen gets to witness the truth. Yes. That is Frank Castle. So uh, just to kind of fast track it, because we're running kind of long here. It happens. We got time to time. We got the events on the boat. Frank kills mad people on the boat. Frank shoots. Bang, bang. He's going to blow it up. Thinks yeah. he finds about blacksmith. Doesn't matter. Fears. <clears throat> well, the real, the real he thinks it's the blacksmith. Yeah. Matt knows it's not. Well, I think eventually he kind of figures out that it's not the blacksmith. Yeah, yeah. He wants it to be, um, but it's not. The real cliffhanger of this episode is Electra. She's gonna she'd like to have a word or two with Stick. She sure would, to the point where she killed his two lackeys as Stick sent sent them to go find Matt. Yes. Is that what they were going to do? They were going to find Matt, or they, no? Did, did I don't they, think they were necessarily going to find Matt because he gave him, I was he gave gonna, them that artifact. I was going to ask about that. Okay, and then she ends up stabbing them in the car. He he threw them the idol. They threw him the whip. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So they end up going to Matt, but uh, one guy barely alive in time to tell Matt that yeah. she's going to kill Stick. 
And Sticks waiting. Yep. Blade in hand. Yep. And Electra shows up. I appreciate how they show the ceremony of the sharpening of the blade because the way you've depicted Stick up to this point, you don't think that that's necessarily something that he would put the, for lack of a better phrase, heart into that Mm -hmm. he does. Um, but the respect shown in the uh, sharpening ceremony, I really like that they show that. And But yeah, then Electra shows up and she'd like to have a couple words and he's all ears. Well, that's where we leave off, man. Yep. So all right. that's your uh, recap on Daredevil Season 2, Episode 11. Episode 11, coming to the end but, of the uh, season. Even though we are, this is about normally where we end the show. This is. We but have, I got some bonus content for you, and we're going to end with that. Yeah, I'm going to let you kind of take over here and explain how this came about. And um, Yeah, man. So basically, uh, the fine folks over at Coulter Bay here in Buffalo, New York, Mr. Mike Schatzel, the owner, they set up um, an appearance by Mr. Greg Cook, the co-founder of Stone Brewing. Um, it was a total stone tap takeover where they like, all the taps were very special stone brews that they brought in for the day. Uh, limited release stuff, aged stuff, rare stuff you don't normally see, and it was just a fantastic selection. And uh, I want to thank uh, Mike Schatzel and Coulter Bay for putting on the event. And I also want to thank them for their courtesy and helping me make this, this interview happen. Um, so... Basically, man, the, the, the night uh, was good. Drinks were flowing. I had dinner. My, my wife was there. My sister was there. We had a great time. My brewing partner, Colin, was there. And Greg Cook was kind enough to uh, give me 30 minutes of his time outside, just me and him, for uh, us to discuss uh, the craft beer um, industry, if you will, where it's been, where it's going, um, the growing pains, the, the hurdles it faces, and uh, the inspiration behind... Um, you know, stone brew and, and, you know, really craft brewing in general. It is an art, folks. And, we, you know, I hope one thing that comes across on this show is that, you know, we're passionate about the arts and creative endeavors, be it comic books, be it movies, be it video games. Um, and not for, I, I really do feel that uh, brewing and beer, it's, and, and cooking, you know, even cooking, it's, it's an art form and, it can, and it's a passion. And um, I think that comes across. I would uh, just remind everyone that um, Greg and I were several beers in at by this point in the evening, but I think we put together a pretty good, uh, pretty good conversation. So um, we're going to talk um, with Greg Cook. So I hope you all enjoy. Real, uh, real quick question because. Uh, we do strive to produce a family-friendly show. Is the segment family-friendly? Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Um, no. i'm not saying it's uh like our kevin smith segment but i think there may be some salty language so if you are uh you know underage if you have kids in the room this might not be the conversation for them but um yeah man just uh be warned and uh, it's not like i said it's not that bad but i yeah i would throw some caution out there so um but yeah it was great and i hope you guys enjoy it all right here it is all right, folks, I am here with uh, the one, the only, Greg Cook of Stone Brewing, my personal favorite brewery. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Welcome to Buffalo, and welcome to the Devil's Do. I can um, honestly say it is a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to be sharing beers with everybody tonight. Salute, sir. Thank you. Cheers. 
All right. So for our listeners who may not be familiar, what? I know, I know. Um, I'm a huge Stone Brewing advocate and fan, an acolyte, indoctrinated, if you will. Uh, could you maybe give our listeners who may not know a quick background on who is Stone Brewing? Who is Stone Brewing? Well, the who is a we, and uh, the we is, uh, well, we, we started 21 years ago in San Diego as a craft brewery. And we've been, um, you know, we're part of the, the, the movement towards bigger characters, stronger, hoppier beers. You want to move a table over? We'll move Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. You can pick up right where we left off. No worries. Hey, you know, go figure that uh, people are hanging out, having a good time, and drinking beer and being a little bit noisy. Nope. An event like this, that's totally cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Uh, you know, beer geeks, uh, you know, I always describe myself as beer geek gone pro. And I can appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I got into it. And, and today, as of today, uh, Stone, is it, not to get into too deep into numbers, one of the top ten yeah. craft brewers in the United States? Yeah, we're, we're on the top, yeah, we're like the 10th or 9th largest craft brewer in the United States, but that's, I mean, that's all fine, it's sort of a little bit of a recognition of, you know, what we've been able to accomplish over the years, but the fact of the matter is, I'm, you know, most proud of the the team we work with and the beers that we're making and uh, the fact that we get to do really awesome events like this where we have 30 beers on tap and people come out and say, dude, your beers mean something to me, and that is... I, I gotta tell you, one of the most awesome things in the world. If, if I could maybe elaborate a little bit, would it be fair to say that even though you might say you're, you know, ninth, tenth, whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. Would to me, as a fan, uh, the shadow of Stone maybe is a little bigger than that. Is that maybe fair to say? To, to, at least, at least it seems that way to me. Perhaps so, but you make it sound a little ominous. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, and I mean that in the best way. Wait, wait let me laugh different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we have a, a big, a big reputation, but it's been earned by really keeping our heads down and focusing on making sort of the, the beers that we like. We help forward the hoppy beer revolution. We help forward the you know the West Coast style IPA. Stone Ruination Double IPA was uh, the first full-time brewed and bottled uh, West Coast-style double IPA on the planet. You know, we help create these styles, and so people know us and appreciate that. And now, the West Coast-style IPA is arguably the most popular style amongst craft brewers around the world. So what does that mean? It means that pretty much anywhere in the world I can, you know, I can walk into a brewery and they'll sort of open the doors and open their taps for me. That's kind of awesome. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of, of the West Coast style and the, the big IPAs and also the big stouts, which Stone seems to have uh, maybe a... The twofold mind, big, big IPA, big stouts, um, other styles, maybe not so much. But you know what? That's totally cool because Stone has a reputation, and they, you guys, seem to stick to who you are, and you stay true to who you are, and you don't try to be who you're not. Well, that's that's actually very true. But uh, you know, we we believe in art. 
and we believe in brewing and we believe in the combination of the two and and that means a wide representation hey my, you know one of my favorite beers to drink of ours these days is our um berliner weisse that we brew in berlin and it's just a it's a classic style that had been pretty much forgotten in germany uh revived in the united states and, and uh, is now coming back to the continent and it's uh, 4.7 percent. Yeah, that that seems low for a stone brew. It, well, it is, and I realize that we have a reputation, and probably it's a, a reputation bit. that's been earned. Yeah, <laughs> and I get that. Um, as you're drinking the Stone 12th Anniversary Bitter Chocolate Oatmeal Stout. This, by the way, this this beer is fantastic, and uh, my my own one of my own stout recipes was inspired directly by this beer, and it's probably the best beer I've ever brewed. Wow, that's well, so. That's hugely flattering. And how come you didn't bring any for me? I easily had I known, I would have, and I would. But I'm, dude. I'm a super like shy and humble guy, and I would feel really awkward having giving you like, hey man, would you try my beer? So just know that this beer has inspired me well, directly. If it was as good as you described, but there's no need for awkwardness at all. But uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, thanks for that. that. That's that's huge that you said that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I realize that we have a reputation for big, bold, hoppy, strong, uh, you know, IPAs, double IPAs, triple IPAs, as well as even session IPAs. And Imperial Stouts. And I, I will admit that that's earned, but we also have brewed, you know, quite a range over the years that I'm enormously proud of. And, you know, what we, the only thing we don't do, you know, if you're going to make a music analogy, is we, we don't do um, silly pop songs, <laughs> right? And we don't do sappy ballads. We, we might have some slower songs that, like, you know, uh, got some, some something going on in them, but uh, no, every rose has a thorn or crappy, crappy crap, crappy crap crap like that. So you can back off the tempo, but still keep the the weight, yeah, if you exactly. will. Okay. Exactly. Fair enough. Can you tell I've been having a few beers? I just said crappy crap crap. That was really that was articulate on my point. I didn't want to point it out, but you know what? This event's been awesome, so I'm not going to call you on anything, man. Um, so. Seeing as we're talking about art, this is a podcast basically of arts and of passions. Um, we're mainly pop cultural focused. We love comic books. We love uh, video games. We love movies. We love TV. So, But, but mainly, uh, we're really passionate about creativity. And to me personally, Stone embodies creativity in a lot of ways. Um, and I think you've kind of spoke to that already. I know I've read an interview with you uh, previously where you may have mentioned that Metallica influenced you in some way um, in in brewing and as a as an ethos in, in as as at Stone. I'm a Metallica super fan, so I would feel I feel obligated to ask you uh, to what degree uh, are you a Metallica fan, and to what degree does their kind of uh, what, to what degree does their ethos echo yours and Stones? So Metallica is is a really great example that you should never, ever try to please everybody. So here's the here's the basics. Brewing is an art. Yes. Art is best when it has a point of view. Art when it has a point of view means that not everybody will like it. 
art that not everybody likes is the only chance that it's going to possibly be something great. So, so you take this a little bit further, or not even further at all, but you sort of recognize this. And it, it makes me recall my favorite magazine cover quote ever, which is when Metallica came out with a Black Album, 91. Um, there was a music magazine, Bam Magazine, put them on the cover. Hatfield was on the cover with a simple caption. Metallica didn't go to number one. Number one came to that. I, rem- I remember. And that spoke huge to me. Yes, I was a Metallica fan. But beyond just that, I was... And I, I don't know if it was an ethos that Metallica sort of consciously adopted that we... Uh, well, and they knew that they weren't for everybody. That wasn't a big leap uh, of imagination for Metallica to go, yeah, most people don't like us. You know what? That's okay. And, and the fact that they and other great artists from all spectrums just recognize just recognize hey and you know what we all do art every day we all what I, I swear you can work in a bank and you can do art you can you can bring art into your personal daily otherwise mundane life and you can bring special things and touches and character and, and stuff that not everybody will relate to but some people were like wow that re- interaction I had with that person that was fucking awesome right so I might be going a little bit of a stretch here for some people but the bottom line is the world is full of art and it, it doesn't all have to be sort of the fine art that you would see in the gallery right or the art that you would see in a major concert venue so you know, a lot of people will look at uh, Metallica or maybe what we do in brewing or, you know, your, your, the, the comics and say, oh, I could never do that. Yeah, horseshit. You can bring art. You can bring style and character to the world. You can bring your own color. And don't cop out by saying, yeah, that's for, for other people. I'm just a regular dude or gal or whatever. I'm going to use the word for the second time. Horseshit. You can bring stuff. And so that's what you do clearly, Drew, is you bring your personality, your character, your your what you believe in, what you're um, attracted to in the world of art, and you say, these are the things that are important to me. I want to share this with other people. That's a form of art, right? And that's awesome. So I want to clink my glass with you over that. Salute, man. You know, it's funny because... Everything you just said. We had Kevin Smith on the podcast, director, really? right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we were at his uh, spoken word show uh, two weeks ago here in Buffalo, and we know we, we know his format. And my partner Carl, who is not here tonight, but uh, he, he we, we were very adamant that we were gonna we were gonna find a way to get Kevin on the show. And um, luckily enough, we asked the first question of the evening at the the Q and A, and he agreed to let us ask the last question at the night and. And um, we wish we did. And he let us record it. And his whole spiel was, you know what? Every one of us has something to offer. Every one of us uh, is an artist and has a story to tell. And put it out there. Put it out there. And it's the best thing you could ever do. And the worst thing that could ever happen is that, you know what? Maybe no one acknowledges it. But you know what? Maybe they do. And if they do... Well, congratulations, man. You've, you've told your story, and people will find you, 
and agree with you, and that's that's gratifying, and it means something. So as a fan of Stone, I will say that your beer has found me, and uh, oh my God, am I ever grateful. So thank you for that. And um, if you don't mind, I have a few more, maybe more specific questions. Um, Dive in. All right. So Stone has grown a lot, and you guys were, I mean, you're not, I'm not going to say you were one of the first craft breweries in the United States, uh, but in the late 90s, maybe one of the pioneers of that time. I, I might go back to the 80s and Sierra Nevada and whatnot. So, sure. But uh, things have changed a lot in the last shit, the last 10 years versus the last 20, right? So, how, like, where would you, how do you think Stone has kind of changed in the last, from, from where you started to where it is maybe now? Because I know now Stone's international. And that's huge for an American craft brewery. But maybe that's a microcosm of, like, you're, you might be the only ones who are international. So, like, I guess in terms of big picture, where you were versus where you are, uh, can, can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Well, there's a, a lot to unwrap there. <laughs> I, at a high level, I mean, I, as high as maybe you can go. Because our listeners may not understand the, the nuance. But uh, as an American craft brewery... Uh, to me, it's a huge deal that you've not only expanded eastward from, from your home base in San Diego, where I've been, and by the way, folks, it is the, and I've said this before, the most beautiful facilities of any brewery I've ever been to anywhere, ever, bar none, not to, not to you know, blow your own horn or anything, but uh, now, now you're international. Like, that, that, to me, that feels huge. So, here's the thing. Um, the United States, for so long, was the laughing stock of the world when it came to beer. Uh, and this was something that, even still today, you'll find Americans that have this, this sort of this uh, attitude that, oh, we don't know anything, we make crappy beer in the United States, which is now decades old and decades out of date, and it just means you're sort of not awake to your own surroundings if you would even think of something like that. Um, but, you know, 1979, we had just 42 breweries in the United States. Today, we have over 5,000, 5, right? So there's been a, a, a renaissance beyond anybody's dream. Um, and, it, and simultaneously, a lot of Europe... Uh, has been a, a bit asleep at the wheel, and there's been a consolidation and industrialization of beer. Um, and, and you can find, thankfully, you can find, you know, countless examples that would counter that and, and show you know there's great artistry and there's great stuff going on, but they're largely ignored in Europe. So we've gone over to Europe, and Berlin, Germany specifically, uh, to open up our brewery. And we've been able to do it in a historic 1901 uh, gasworks building and create a destination restaurant and brewery. And just help be another voice for high public. There's something beyond uh, cheap industrial beer. Which, by the way, fact, ladies and gentlemen, I know a lot of people... Uh, have difficulty believing this Germans Europeans just like Asians Mexicans uh, Canadians Americans etc 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 primarily drink shitty industrial beer okay that's just it's just a fact worldwide sure people mostly drink crappy industrial beer cheap 
crappy industrial beer. And uh, and so so Germany did not escape that. Uh, yes, you can find wonderful small breweries dotted around the country, and here's the thing: you know Germans are fiercely loyal to their local breweries. It's really amazing how fiercely local loyal they are until they get to the grocery store, in which case they just buy the cheapest stuff. <laughs> Just like Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, uh, there's a renaissance now happening in Europe, and craft beer is growing, and it's uh, kind of a phenomenal thing, and we're glad to just be a small part of that. To say, hey, you know, there's, there's something beyond the very narrow framework of what you grew up when you were being told, which, by the way, maybe isn't the best representation of beer because it's cheap and industrialized. Maybe there's something else out there. It doesn't have to be ours. Oh, oh hell no. Just just explore. Sure. I mean, you, you have like, you know, uh, Brewdog, I think, is like the biggest the biggest name I can think of in terms of Europe. Yes. They're, they're one of the bigger names that are advocating and, and doing craft beer at a, at a, at a high-quality level. But, uh, but but in terms of, of being the first American brewery to cross over, um, how has that reception been? You know, it, it, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story of a, uh, last summer when we had just, uh, we were just opening our gardens in a restaurant. And I was standing at the threshold of the, between the inside and the outside. And I saw a German guy, probably about 75, walking towards me, beelining towards me. So I just paused for a moment as I let him come up to me. And he walks up to me and says, I understand you are the owner here. And I was like, wow. Um, yes. Hi. My name's Craig. What can I do for you? He says, I have something I want to tell you. Okay. Um, yeah, please tell me. And of course, internally, I'm going, oh shit. <laughs> says, your beer tastes like I used to remember. Thank you. And he clapped me on the shoulder. And this was the highlight of my year last year. That's awesome. It was incredible. Because I was quite certain that he was upset with me. And it was just, you know, his style. He was, like I said, probably about 75. And, um, yeah. And I found out he was drinking Stone IPA. And um, and I knew that he wasn't saying literally that the beer he used to okay, drink tasted okay, like okay. Stone IPA because that wouldn't have been possible. But he was saying, essentially, the beer he used to drink in Germany was hoppier, was more flavorful, just more aromatic, had more going on. Yeah. And over the last several decades... Uh, and you can look at brewing statistics because they have a lot of industry statistics. It's been, frankly, cheapened and dumbed down. You know, overall, and, and everybody can find an, ex- an exception, and I acknowledge that exception. You know, there's exceptions all over, but by and large, it's become an industrialized beer nation, like every other nation in the yeah. in the world. Right. So, having said that, uh, at a high level, um, let's not get too deep into it but I our listeners might find it informational and I think it's important to note uh, the industrialization the watering down if you will so the enemy for lack of a better for, for lack of a better word okay well, so so hang on I, well all right go maybe, ahead go okay ahead. 
what what craft beer is up against? Maybe a better way to put it. Of course, is an evil. And if you want to call okay. me an enemy, that's that's fine. Hey, okay, okay, because I, I will and I do. So, but it's it's the, the fact of the matter. Just like fast food and industrialized food, commoditized food is the is the the enemy of the people because it traps us. It makes us believe that we should have cheap food that is uh, non uh, nutritional that will make you die early. That will you know. It, it, this is a long story. It's long and complex. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I admire the hell out of you. And I'm going to tell you, and, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything. You're a huge inspiration to me personally in terms of what you stand for, what Stone stands for, and what you have publicly said about resisting that and, and how Stone will never sell out to Big Beer, InBev, AB, what have you, which which is only furthering their efforts in buying, oh my God, they're not only buying craft breweries, they're buying out, they bought out Northern Brewer, where I would buy my brewing supplies from as a home brewer. I don't, I can't buy, I don't buy from them any, any longer. And now they're buying acreage in South Africa. They're 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 trademarking hop fields or what whatever they're doing. Oh, yeah, and they're presenting they're preventing uh, small brewers from having access to those hops. Right. And on top of that, now they bought a share in uh, Rate Beer, and a, a service or a website that I use to you know check just check where things stood. And I really respect uh, Sam Caglione from uh, Dogfish for pulling his rankings from or asking that his rankings be pulled from Rate Beer. I'm not asking you to do the same thing, but either, no matter what, me I'm personally, it wouldn't make any difference because it's a public domain. They have the rights to review. Right. It's like like a restaurant asking to be removed from Yelp. It's so, not going to happen. Right. So at a high level, um, well, forget the high level. I just want to tell you, part of the reason I've loved Stone for the last 15 plus years is I really respect and admire and believe in not just not just the great product you make, but, the, but what Stone has stood for, the attitude and the ethos, and you personally, speak, having heard you speak your ethos, um, that kind of came to a head with uh, the True Craft uh, initiative that you put forth. Um, if you could maybe, at a high level, explain what that is, and if you if you could, now that we're a couple years removed, oh, it's going to be hard. In, in high it, level, uh, high level, what it is, and then if if, if you if you could follow up, how, how's it how's it going? Because I'm very curious. Well, so the the, the, the crux of it is that uh, at Stone and me personally, we believe in the the ethos of it, true independent craft. Uh, that's a big thing because. Uh, commoditized, industrialized, uh, homogenized is a different kind of business model. It's a business model that the, these other big companies um, have no choice but wish to follow, right? They're uh, public companies. They have a fiduciary duty to, quote-unquote, maximize shareholder value. Um, if a, uh, you know, the leadership of one of those companies does anything that uh, looks like it might be sort of, you know, for 
uh, altruistic reasons, um, rather than uh, maximizing the bottom line, they risk losing their job, uh, not making their bonus, or potentially even going to jail because you're, you have a legal requirement to maximize shareholder value. So it's a different kind of business model than an individual um, private ownership entrepreneurial kind of company has the options. We 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 at Stone we have the options to make decisions that aren't focused on the bottom line, but uh, can be focused qualitatively, can be focused on a social level, etc., uh, etc. Et and so we have to recognize just at its core that these are two different business models and that um, artisanal can behave different than commodity. And commodity is forced into a corner, really, legally, with the legal structure in the United States and most countries around the world. So, we can call them evil. I mean, it's fine to call them evil, right? <laughs> call them bad guys. I, this I kind do. of stuff. Yeah, 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 sure. And that's easy. <laughs> and it's easy to feel that way because of some of the things they do as companies. So I think that the at its at its heart and soul, they don't have a heart and soul. That's and, and, super fair to say. And I don't, I don't mean that in a you know a negative way. I just mean it's like it's an open reflection, right? Yeah. They, they simply don't because they aren't built that way. They're built as machinery. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and so it wouldn't be fair to try and, and imagine that they should or could or would have a heart and soul. Okay. So you just gotta structurally you, you recognize this. Now you say okay. Now, how would they? How can they behave? Well, they can only behave in a certain kinds of ways. And, and the fact of the matter is, uh, small entrepreneurial companies, which are privately held, can behave differently. So, huh, over a beer, as we sit out on the sidewalk of this wonderful uh, place um, here in Buffalo, Culture Bay, everybody. Yeah. Um, where I'm having a phenomenal time meeting really great people. Uh, this is a big subject to cover. Um, so at, at, uh, with the, the True Craft Initiative, we uh, imagine a world uh, that we would work to try and help protect from sort of the, 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 the natural and real uh, forces of consolidation and homogenization, which have happened throughout human history. This isn't nothing new about these forces. Yeah, you look like you're ready to ask a question. No, it's not, there's, there's absolutely nothing new about it. But you know, in, in terms of the microcosm of uh, of craft beer, we had this big ex- explosion, and it's been phenomenal. And now we're seeing the the big machine kind of strike back. Well, but it's, it's, but in turn, but but as as they've struck back with purchasing craft brewers and it's their you know it's their prerogative to do to, to sell stone has put up money and created the true craft initiative as a counter to say you know what there, there is an alternative and we have money for you to accept that alternative and well, man i don't want to talk, right, talk too big right now fair enough, we, fair we've enough. not uh we've not been able to bring into anything to fruition at this point okay so it's um, so far the the you know it's it's been a, a 
Uh, it's you been don't a have lot. To name of, names. I'm just. Yeah. No. We've we had a lot of talking behind the scenes. A lot of conversation with those craft brewers, and we we believe in the idealism of craft beer and the independence of craft beer. We will, at a very minimum, continue to maintain that ethos ourselves. And if we have the opportunities to. Um, help other crappers maintain that we we will uh but it's a complex world out there and there's a lot of valuations that have been very high a lot of sell-offs that have been very very high uh, hey while i haven't taken the money myself and i'm not interested i can't blame somebody if they want to take a high dollar payout it's not what i got into this for personally uh, but it gives has given a lot of cuppers a bit of an unrealistic um, idea of what their valuation might be. So, well, you know, we'll see. It's a complex times that we live in here today. It, it definitely is. And I just want to reiterate what it... I want to reiterate that where Stone stands and where you have stood... Uh, inspires the hell out of me and it means a lot to me and i respect you immensely for taking the stand that you have and as a result you know like i i told you before i might be i might be buffalo's biggest stone acolyte and uh it's because of stances like this that it's not it's the beer is always going to be priority but you know what it's more than that it's it's what the company stands for what you stand for and I respect you, and I respect all of that, and uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, that's, that's a lot. Um, i hugely and massively flattered, and I can tell you one very specific thing, which is we will maintain the reasons that you have said that, right? We will maintain that. Uh, that won't change. It's what I believe in to my core, so thank you for appreciating it, because not every sure. does. I absolutely do. Cheers, man. Thank you. Cheers to you. And cheers to all of you guys listening. If you made it this far, yeah, tap yourselves on the back. No, our, our listeners will definitely appreciate this. I definitely appreciate this. And my last, my absolute last note, okay. um, the Choco Vesa, man. Am I saying, for number, number one, am I saying it right? Choco Vesa. Yeah, Choco Vesa. Choco Vesa. Yeah. Choco Vesa. Um, okay, when it came out, loved it to death. My wife also, who is not a big, uh, she's not quite, well, actually, ironically, as time has gone on, she's now into the big, bold, hoppy flavors, but that took years. Uh, the Choco Vesa, though, she absolutely loved, and I absolutely loved. Um, it was a one-time kind of only thing, and then, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Mike Barnes, started an online petition which many, 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 myself included, people signed to make it a, a regular thing, kind of, it, 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 got, it got out there. And I, I hope, or I like, I like to think that it Stone listened, and it seems anyway that you did, because now Chocoveza is a, is a regular thing, and oh my God, is it good. Uh, can you maybe comment a little bit on that? Am I wrong? Well, uh, l- let me put it this way. It's um, easy to listen if you um, already feel that you agree with the commentary. Okay. We did. We were on the same page. 
I, uh, I don't know if I, I would say we are ahead of you or we are with you or behind you. It doesn't matter. We were on the same page. Okay. So it was that kind of commentary. It was our own internal feelings about the beer plus the commentary from, you know, things like that. So, um, you know what? Let me just rephrase that. Yeah, it was that. <laughs> Mike, you're welcome, sir. You asked me, and I asked, buddy. All right. Mike, thanks Thanks for that. And, uh, you know, the, the world, actually, well, not the world, but the craft beer, a sliver of the craft beer drinking world who's an enthusiast or enthusiast about um, the Stone Sugar Vesa, uh, Mocha Stout, we thank you for your efforts. Amen, man. Greg, I want to thank you very much for this time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming to Buffalo, and thank you for sitting down with me here on The Devil's Due. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Pleasure, brother. Pleasure. And that was my interview with Greg Cook, co-founder of Stone Brewing, man. Uh, once again, thank you, Coulter Bay. Thank you, Mike Schatzel. Uh, y'all guys do great work, and I am a very... Uh, very happy that you guys are doing all the great things you do in town because I get to reap the benefits of good beer. And thank you to Greg Cook especially for coming down to Buffalo and giving me the time. Um, I really appreciate it. I got to meet kind of one of my heroes, and uh, my hero bought me a beer, man. So it's, it's super cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. We've had a really cool past couple weeks here on Devil's Due. Um, it's been really exciting. And the episode posts have been kind of picking up in, in notices and retweets and shares, and we can't thank you guys enough for that. Um, please continue to do that. Please uh, retweet our new episode announcements. Please share our Facebook posts when we have a new episode out. We're not asking you to, to retweet and share everything, but the new episode posts are really important to get the word out. Uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate that, and we thank you. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us and communicate with us, ask us questions, uh, make suggestions on the show, you can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at thedevilsdopod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, thedevilsdopodcast.com. Whew. Another uh, another another long episode in the bag, but we love hey, doing man. it for you guys. Maybe, maybe we go to two episodes a week. The short, shorter uh, episodes. The breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing it out. No, um, thank you again for joining us and giving us your time. Uh, any any closing thoughts? Sir? No, man. I had a great great couple weeks here and a, a great interview and uh, just a yeah. Thank you guys all very much. All right. Good stuff still to come. Keep keep the dial tuned in. Keep the the app auto downloaded on. That's yeah. That's gonna say whatever. Dial. However you do it, <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Folks, thank you again for joining us. Court is adjourned.